Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan, and in for Amy this morning, John Cass, johncastnews.com. John. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to start with a question to you, John. Yes. Now that uh, it's finally in full swing, it's only taken five years. Uh, Ed Burke's. Oh, yeah. Corruption trial. Former Alderman Ed Burke's corruption trial. Uh, 54 years of dedicated service to the city. That's what uh, the jurors are going to hear, at least from the defense. Why should we care about this trial, John? I guess because they got him, finally. I mean, uh, the damage has been done. The damage of the political class against the city and the its people has been done a long time ago. So I don't know... What well, that's what I mean. Gain out of it. That's what I mean. So I, I'm I'm a bit conflicted on it. I mean, the, yeah. I I've said before, it's, it feels like you know getting Joey the Clown Lombardo when he's 85. It's like okay, well, everybody knew for so long, and nobody bothered to really, I think, effort to make a serious case, despite knowing the graft that was afoot. And so now, finally, a confluence of events provide the opportunity to quote-unquote get him and he's convicted and so what i mean so so ed burke will always be known as a convicted felon and that's some sort of justice for it'd be chicago or or a bit so, so that's that's on the one hand i think that on the other hand i think well this is an important part of history uh, of chicago's history of illinois history and it's the history a lot of people don't know or don't know very well and may, maybe they'll come to know and they'll look back at 50 years worth of uh, the Chicago power structure and the Chicago residents and Illinois residents who support it and say, you know what, um, I don't want to do that again. I don't want to be a part of this. Maybe if there's a greater understanding, there'll be better choices in the future. And, it hasn't maybe, I'm, stopped. and maybe I'm being naive. It hasn't stopped. It's just c- continuing under a different form now. Now it's a black machine that's run by uh, Stacy Davis Gates and the Chicago Teachers Union, and Tony Prankwinkle is the boss of it, and uh, nothing's changed. Nothing absolutely has changed. They're doing well, I the know, same thing. But 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 so, but I mean, you 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 uh, took the time to write about this at JohnCastNews.com about right. Ed, uh, how Ed Burke knows how this will end. He's seen it before. Uh, the experience of many of his friends, including uh, one that's concurrent, Mike Madigan. But um, it's a, if it's important enough for you to write about and provide some of that historical context, then is it important enough for the people of Chicago to care about? Yeah, I think they do care. But again, this week, 
downtown Chicago, we've seen evidence of complete and utter wanton behavior, wildness. Um, the stewardess or flight attendant hit in the head with a log, now in a coma. The man beaten to death outside while by the flyer boy. All that stuff is going on downtown right during the Christmas season. Uh, and this kind of stuff suggests and tells us that there is no such thing as order anymore, all so, only chaos. Okay. If the so machine then we sh- did, if Burks and the machine did one thing, it was to provide order out of chaos. And now there is none. So then we shouldn't uh, prosecute him. I- I'm opposed no, to this I prosecution. No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Well, then why should we? Three one two six four two fifty six hundred Turnkey Dot Provincial Line six four six three six D A Turnkey Dot Pro Text Line. Why why not give him um, uh, a a, uh, a waiver uh, for whatever his alleged corruption because of all the good he did to maintain the order? Look, things are worse now, so Ed Burke shouldn't be prosecuted. That's a position. That, I guess not the one I'll take, but yeah. Well, why not? Well, then why should he be? He should be prosecuted because he. If he broke the law, it will, there will be a trial to determine whether he broke the law, and uh, he will be punished for it. You're just detailing how we don't have the rule of law in Chicago, and but well, so then why should it apply to Ed Burke any more than it applies to your common street criminal, which, by the way, is how I'd largely describe Ed Burke, despite the pinstripe suits and the, the Lincoln Continental idling or Lincoln Town Car idling outside Union League Club while he has his Cobb salad. That's how I would describe well, yeah, Ed Burke. That's Ed how Burke... I would describe these politicians. So if it doesn't apply to them, why should the street criminals, why should it apply to the street criminals in pinstripe suits? Well, Ed Burke would not. Uh, the, the criminals in the pinstripe suits won't beat you to death uh, when you're waiting for your family to, to finish. Yeah, it's a, slow, it's a slow bleed instead. Right? I mean, it's, I, I just wanted to, I'm trying to understand the, the thinking here because... I mean, we, we sort of have this perverse uh, mentality with respect to these uh, mobsters. Well, well, the the mobsters in government. The hero so, worship you know, some some of that, yeah. And 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 so so it's it's oh the you know it's the corruption is part of our brand like that's something to be proud of. And so it's like oh they finally got mad again they finally get at Burke but we're so uh, enamored with the boss sort of model of government. That, um, you know, people don't pay attention. They're not going to pay attention to Burke. They're not going to pay attention to Madigan's trial. They'll get convicted and they'll get whatever sentences they get, just like Verdoliak before them, just like Blagojevich and George Ryan and so many others before them. Blagojevich, a little bit of a different case because he celebritized his corruption. Um, but, but I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I, I just so I, I, I want to care about it. I think it's important. 50 years of uh of corruption at the hands of Burke and others, but it's a handful of people. We know their names at look what the city's become. Well, they facilitated what has come to pass. It's not like uh, there is a complete disconnect between the choices they made and the choices that are being made by the people elected today. And yet I, I get the sense that this is just, uh, oh, it's the city that works kind of mythology. Yeah, I don't know. I it's early in the morning for me, Dan. I just got out of Green Acres. I'm, uh, you know, leaving the pasture lands, and now you plunge me into politics and corruption immediately. Hey, we start. You know, we we uh, hit the ground running on yeah, this you show, do. man. You know, <laughs> uh, the uh, I mean, you the 
They made him a cop and he went to law school. The law was his hammer. Now he wants the law, and now the law wants to put him in prison. An old man alone. This is not an excuse. He signed no, up for this. Wait, let me finish your words. He signed up for this, not a contract, but an agreement written in blood all the same. And now, as he waits for it, sitting in that chair next to his lawyers in federal court, the only thing left to him really is how he faces what's coming. I mean, that's your that's your that's in part your portrait of Ed Burke uh, in your piece. I'm be, I'm being hoisted by my petard. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm asking you to uh, elaborate. Well, he, you know, the only thing that he can do, in, in, as far as I'm concerned, is he, is he going to take it like a man or not? Is he going to crack like uh, like a wuss and start squirting tears all over or not? I mean, I can just imagine how look Smell at how my Brandon green Johnson handles yeah. stress now with his panic attacks, y'all. You know, he can't even handle that. So Burke, I think, will have to meet. Uh, meet his end stoically in order to continue the myth. Stoically. Yeah. I mean, I uh, I saw him walk into the pictures of him walking into court with these, his um, good wife, uh, if you will. Uh, Anne. Yeah, former so former uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice, State Supreme Court Chief Justice, you Ann know, Burke. You'd, you'd think uh, Tony Preckwinkle the chairman of the Cook County Democratic Party, and uh, T- Kim Fox, her protege and, and uh, state's attorney, would hold a day of, of remembrance and thanks to Ed Burke for raising money for them, I think for both of them, for mentoring both of them, for helping both of them. Uh, you know, he doesn't get enough credit, Dan. Well, right. Well, that's sort of my point. It's not just uh, raising money for them and mentoring them. It's being part of the power structure that gave way to them, whether they ever understood that day would come or not. It's here. This is The Morning Show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The answer. Business owners, now's the time for your business to make the move to a locally owned business bank. Hi, Mike Gallagher here to let you know that you don't have to look far. Signature Bank was founded in Chicago with a simple mission to help companies like yours grow, succeed, and thrive. Their decisions are made locally by a terrific team that knows your name, cares about your business, and invests in your success. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. I'm a customer. As business owners, they knew that local family-owned businesses were not getting the help they needed or deserved. So, I invite you to reach out to my friends at Signature Bank today. Write the number down. Remember this phone number, Signature Bank, 773-467-5630. And learn all about this great bank, 773-467-5630. Or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and in for Amy J. This morning, John Cass of JohnCassNews.com and the Chicago Way Podcast. Good morning, Danny. Uh, John, great to have you as always. All right, I got one more Burke question before we move on. 
Because he was characterized in court yesterday by the defense as an extortionist and by his uh, defense attorney as a good man. In fact, Chris Gare, his defense attorney, said it was the honor of his life to represent Ed Burke. Uh, defense attorneys. Um, extortionist or a good man somewhere in between? Did the defense attorney characterize him as such? Good man. Oh, good man, not extortionist. That was no, prosecution. prosecution says extortionist, defense attorney says good man. What saith John Cass? I say that like everything is complicated and men, human beings fall in a... In a what would Dan Proft do? He would say that uh, there's a, a great wide path that we fall in, right? We're not one thing, we're not the other thing. No, I, I agree. We're, you know, all sinners, so we're complicated, but... Um, on balance, you know, I, I I can't help but go back to... Uh, I mean, if people think that I'm going to stand up here and now crow, that Burke is going to go away, no. It's not I'm about not. crowing. I'm, but I'm not going to. No, I... I, I, I there, are many, there are many of them out there in the media who are now acting like tough guys when they didn't dare question him when he was in his powers. Dare question him? They served as part of his comms yeah, team. Sure. Yeah. No, I know, I know, but but I mean, I, well, you're not them, and and you don't want to be. Neither do I. So it's no. it's not, and it's not. So it's not about dancing on graves. It's a it's it's really a conversation about who we are as a as a, a community, if you will, talking about Chicago, Chicago land, the state of Illinois, the 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 kind of things we've witnessed and how we react to them. And it's also just an interesting they want to be case left. study in you know in humanity. But but my point, I was just to say, I go back to. Before this Burger King thing, which is, you know, basically like getting Capone on income tax evasion. Um, I go I, I go back to Bill Cooley's uh, stories about Ed Burke and when corruption was king. And, you know, and again, you, you, I know so there's been some pushback on what Cooley had to say. I mean, it's not like he was a choir boy either. So Absolutely you can't not. necessarily take everything at face value that he has to say. He, he has his own access to grind and and perspectives and interactions. But, you know, the, the, the good man who played the game the old machine way. Spencer and, Tracy, the last hurrah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and that, and that way f- uh, fell out of favor, and he got caught in the middle. This is sort of no. the argument that, well, I mean, uh, let, let me, th- this was the argument that was made uh, in defense of George Ryan two decades ago, wasn't it? There were, Nothing, there was no bar too low for the combine to crawl under or over to protect George Ryan. I mean, they're just worms of the first degree. Well, I, I, I understand, but my point is to say that argument was made 20 years ago yeah, with Ryan. It's in part being made, not in court, but in, in polite society such as it is, uh, in defense of Ed Burke. It, it, is that true? Is there merit to that? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. He knew what he was doing. He understood the law. He broke it, and now he's going to pay for it. The point being, though, we as a people, you know, like as a boiling mass of, uh, roiling mass of immigrants in this city trying to get along, trying to get ahead, climbing over each other, uh, trying to climb up the ladder, we're we're all subject to the same pressures. And uh, some of us uh, look at a guy like Burke and say, you know, if he could help me, look, my, when my father, when my father was being shaken, shaken down by 
for steaks by some city inspectors. Do you think he cared if he had to pay for steaks? I did. I was like, oh, my God, this is a affront to our honor as a family. But my father was uh, was uh, wiser in those things. Cost of doing business, bigger bigger things to worry about than the corruption tax. Right. Calm down, son. At least you know who you're paying, you know? Hmm. You know who you're paying, and we, we are, they expect a service, and we expect to get a service out of it, right? So do you think— so this this prompts another question. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey dot pro text line. If everyone anyone else wants to get on this conversation, or if this is more just things that uh, John and I are interested in, and nobody else is anymore. <laughs> I don't know. I really don't. But um, but so so thinking about that. Yeah. And then people waxing nostalgic about the corruption tax, but I got the garbage can. Vote the right way, but I had police protection. Do you think if there is any sort of uh, rescission that happens after the era of Lightfoot and Fox and Brandon Johnson and whoever may come next, if it if there's ever a, a, a moment where you can break and choose a different paradigm like there was when Richard M. retired and there was an opportunity to choose a new paradigm and instead you chose to hold on to the old one with Tiny Dancer. That's what we chose to do. Yeah. That's my assessment of it. If you, if there's another break and there's an opportunity to choose a new paradigm, do you think that it's more likely that people try to go back to the Richard M. and Richard J., obviously by extension, or do they try to do something completely different that leaves the whole spoils system whether it's the Irish or the Latinos or the blacks or whoever that leaves the whole spoil system behind and does something different. What do you think? We are now in the, on the, on the intersectionality highway. We're now traveling at the speed of light, right? So I can't see us leaving it behind with all these DEI people and everything else. And all of it is like the, defined by race and, Skin color and pigment and gender and so forth, they can't they can't allow any of this to fall because they they want they want to hold their cooking utensils, they won't let them go they won't let the tongs hit the ground, and so they won't uh, let it go. So it'll just be next man up or next I should say man because yes. that's individual next group up. So uh, until the gender fluid have their day, we're just going to continue this. I guess yeah. Until and we're seeing that in the same at the same moment we're seeing, at least the machine provided some semblance of order, and now there's no order, absolutely none. When you have flight attendants and shoppers on Michigan Avenue blasted and put into comas by savages, uh, as you were talking about the other day, you you have no order. So what do you, what do you have? Nothing. Bill in LaSalle County, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, uh, Dan, uh, John. Hey. 1985, there was a revitalization on the Southwestern Avenue District on 61st and Western. You may remember it, John. Uh, Sears uh, committed to redoing their store, remodeling their store, and uh, Jewel Companies built a brand-new combo store on uh, 61st and Western. I, was I remember it. management team. I, remember I was part that. of the management team of the Osco drug side of that store. And 
it was well known within all of the management people that Ed Burke held up the liquor license till 1 p.m. the day before we were supposed to grand open that store because jewel companies did not play the game of giving honorariums or maybe pushing legal work towards him. Yeah. Uh, so he's been doing this stuff for, obviously, God, long years. Yes. Thanks for the call, have- Bill. No, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It was yeah. a great neighborhood, and also think of, I think of the Indian. You know, the Indian on was it sixty third Street, the Marquette Indian, Marquette Theater. Yeah, never forget it. The giant Indian on the street, looking down. And and so the um, I mean, we'll get we'll get to it in, in more detail, uh, I suppose. But um, what you're seeing now with the uh, Revolt is too strong a word. The pushback, the complaining from certain quarters what quarters and along racial lines to some extent about uh, the migrants in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that as just more of the same uh, group identity politics? Uh, we're in line and they cut in line. Everybody has to stay in line as opposed to the uh, per, uh, perhaps an inflection point where you you could see the city choose something markedly different. I can't see the city choosing anything but venal corruption because this is the place for it. This is how it... Because, look, just look at the building codes. The building code, all the regulations are in place to exact corruption taxes from the people. All the heavy regulations, books thick with it. Uh, it's all about uh, using leverage to squeeze the people. Jim and Lyle. Good morning, gentlemen. Thanks. You know, when I was 18 years old, living in Billy Banks, 36 Ward. How you doing? Wait. How you doing? <laughs> John, how you doing? How I'm you glad doing? to hear you. But, but the overanalyzation and the romanticization of these people is just confounding to me yeah i could i it's 40 years in coming we should be celebrating celebrating what oh celebrating burke's indictment madigan's indictment absolutely i knew this when i was 18 and i couldn't wait to vote against them well i know but how, jim how is I, it possible? I mean I, I guess the celebration is muted because of all the damage done and because of the conversation we're having which is do you, do you get the sense that there's a recognition of the damage that was done such that we're not going to do this anymore, whether it's – and we're certainly – and we're no, not going to – No, but I can tell you my right. contemporaries who grew up with me in the northwest side of Chicago are, are, are feeling like I do, which is like, geez, it took them long enough. So, so I, I, I understand it's not going to cure what's happening with the stewardess getting hit with a javelin that consisted of a log, and it, it's horrible. But but that we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time, guys. Well, uh, can we? Uh, that's not that's unclear to me. Thanks for the call, Jim. I mean the the whole like celebration to me uh, seems. Well, I, I would I could seem, celebrate if uh, if on the other if there's something to celebrate on the other side. If there was something like uh, if the city of Chicago and the county of Cook were working instead of being run by. Boss Tony Preckwinkle and Tim yeah, Evans and all that. Yeah, that's not me. That's not where I'm at. My 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 point about celebration is the people that say was well, celebrated, and even you say, "Oh, that took them long enough." Those are people I think that are 
providing absolution for themselves. Oh. I wasn't a part of it. Uh, but you were. Because you benefited, no matter what. You benefited. You um, took a knee. Uh, you turned a blind eye. It's the way it is. Took them long enough. I mean, for the U.S. Attorney's Office here, I mean, while we're talking about uh, uh, prosecutors writ large at the federal, state, and local level yeah. for all kinds of reasons, you know how and, – and, of course, nothing happens at the state or local level, and it hasn't forever. Uh, but, but the U.S. Attorney's Office and all these – the U.S. attorneys that have come and go and then flipped to become criminal defense attorneys and corporate shills like Dan Webb. That were, you know, that were Elliot Ness once upon a time. We were supposed to believe. We were supposed to believe Patrick Fitzgerald, too. Pat Fitzgerald, too. Elliot Ness. So Lincoln's rolling in his grave and so on and so forth. All the big pronouncements. And and what did all that amount to? And, and do you, I mean, do you have any idea? Do people have any idea of the amount of corruption at the local municipal level outside of Chicago? Oh, God. They could They could roll up most of the village governments in particular regions in Cook County tomorrow if they wanted to, if anybody was paying attention, but they don't do that. So the I mean, the, Southland for sure. The, it's like the U.S. attorney uh, that finally brought these, the U.S. attorney's office now that's brought these charges against uh, Burke and Madigan, like they're, they're heroes in the story. They're not. So I, I just, the, 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 to me, people who are celebrating almost anything that comes to pass are just trying to distance themselves from their participation, passive or active, in all that has transpired during the time. Maybe that's unfair. And by the way, I include myself. I mean, I, I you know I fought some fights that uh, I would fight differently in uh, in retrospect, or fights I wouldn't have taken up uh, in retrospect. Um, and people can you know criticize me. I was in the arena. I would say this all the time. I'll, I'll take my share of the blame. I was in the arena. We couldn't get it done. We couldn't get Republicans over the finish line. Um, I thought that we could tell some interesting stories at the municipal level and some uh, municipalities that have historic corruption. We talked a lot about this when I ran for governor. John, yeah. you and I did a yeah. sit down talking about my time at Cicero. But I'm not. I'm not afraid to talk about it and talk then talk about my judgment calls and and perhaps the mistakes I made. But it just seems like most do not want to do that. They want to they want to hurry past it all. Say finally they got them. It took them long enough. I had nothing to do with it. Move Let's on, move, on. move on. Isn't that right? Yeah, I think people want to be distant. They want to distance from it. They don't want to, because they don't want to, people don't like having sinful hands. <laughs> or or in this in this region, responsibility. Yeah. I eschew responsibility. Ken in Geneva. Uh, I was just going to say, I started listening to your program, and I have to go down to pick up my daughter for Thanksgiving, and I can't wait to see her, but it just makes me sick to think I'm going into the city and they want to go spend money at a restaurant because... These days, the last thing I want to do is spend any of my money in the city of Chicago and have them benefit from anything. They just make me sick. The city's a great city, but the politics are criminal. That's so. I just wanted to change. Yeah. Thanks for the call, I mean, Ken. People are making that simple distinction because they're not going to spend money in a town where they they don't feel safe. So, the city's a great city, but the politics is uh, abominable. Well, the politics is the people. It's not the buildings. It's not the lakefront. That's what the city is. It's the people, right? Yeah. 
John Cass in for Amy J. Chicago's Morning Answer. There's only one radio show in Chicago talking about today's biggest stories and telling you what they really mean. That show is this one. Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, Equal housing lender. Signature Bank. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan, and in for Amy this morning, fresh off his appearance at our Freedom Summit last weekend. John Cass, johncassnews.com. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you, uh, Charles Thomas, uh, Scott McKay uh, did the media rumble that I moderated. That was that was a good time. I mentioned it on Very the, spirited. I mentioned it in the column, and uh, Tom Bevan picked it up and ran it in Real Clear Politics. So the idea was, do we get, our, get out the tomahawks now? I think so. And I guess Trump has taken them off, off already, right? He's taken them out. Well, we'll get to uh, matters yeah. uh, national. We have this uh, matter of uh, Governor Jelly Belly. All Jelly Belly is local, right? Okay. Yeah, right. Uh, rolling out, uh, rolling out uh, his uh, plan to provide funding for migrant setups in Chicago. And uh, think about this: he rolls out his plan yesterday. BLM Brandon's rolling out his updated plan, whatever that'll look like today. I don't think this is synchronized. Uh, the relationship between the state and the city right now, that's an interesting frosty. angle to this. Frosty, huh? Uh, it seems a bit frosty, particularly when uh, the ponderous governor says that uh, the city isn't moving with enough alacrity to address the issue. Here's what uh, uh, Pritzker had to say. To address this, we're investing $30 million to establish a large intake center, growing the city's capacity to centrally welcome and comprehensively coordinate new arrivals. The next phase provides $65 million to assist the city in setting up a tent base camp to house 2,000 migrants. It would be similar to those in New York City and would be in addition to ones Chicago is already planning. The final part of the governor's plan provides another $65 million for other services, including helping 11,000 eligible migrants apply for and get expedited work permits so they can get housing more suitable than tents. That's uh, Craig Wall from ABC7 reporting. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Uh, 
Uh, you uh, happy to see uh, the governor coming in over the top with $160 million of state funds uh, uh, for Chicago asylum seekers, in quotation marks. Uh, right. well, so is this the an euphemisms. He's just building an office? He's it's 30, well, $30 million for a central intake center, so, $65 million for winterized temporary shelter to house up to 2,000 people, and $65 million more for wraparound services. And that's separate and distinct from the uh, whatever BLM Brandon will throw onto the pyre in terms of cash tomorrow. So is this like what? So you have uh, space for bureaucrats? to wear fuzzy pink slippers and process uh, the migrants. Is that it? Come over here, get in this line, get in line A, get in line B. What's your name? Yes, sir. Like that? Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the recently defrocked <laughs> uh, floor leader for BLM Brandon, responding to this. Uh, he's an older human. Uh, he likes to push around uh, elderly women uh, on the city council, you'll recall. Uh, he tweeted, the city of Chicago city leaders and residents have been asking for this level of assistance from the state for our migrant mission for many months. I'm glad that Governor Pritzker is putting forward these funds. Chicago and Illinois can be a model of migrant resettlement. Wait, resettlement? Um, I'm hearing a lot of burden talk from BLM Brandon. I'm hearing a lot of temporary from, uh, well, from both BLM Brandon and uh, Governor Spaulding. And yet from the uh, uh, lead, one of the leading socialists on the city council, the word resettlement is used. <laughs> hmm. What make the of this, John Cass? It inspires confidence, does it not? Well, and, I mean, and, it's just an ever-expanding welfare state. They just and you know what? There's nobody left in Chicago to pay for it, but enjoy it while it lasts. Well, here's the thing, too. Um, why Jelly Belly intercedes now? Why not? Because he's got a convention. The there convention. You go. The convention is in what August, whenever the summer of '24, and he has to look like he's doing something. Meanwhile, well, he's got black black residents of Chicago who are starting to hate his guts. They already hate Brandon Johnson. They think they're both losers, and uh, they can't take it anymore. So that's where they stand. Well, I, I, I think that's right. I think that does largely explain the timing. You can't allow this chaos to persist through the winter and then uh, and then ramp up back in the spring and summer because that is going to – negatively impact the ability of the city and state to erect the Potemkin village president she style uh, <laughs> in if for for the DNC and this is going to be a jelly bellies coming out party nationally so I I think that's I think that's exactly what's at play here uh, but the frosty relationship between BLM Brandon and jelly belly I, I suppose BLM Brandon probably still hasn't gotten over jelly belly as failure to endorse him in the in the election come on y'all I have uh, black children who play soccer, and I have a black wife. So come on, y'all. Uh-huh. I can't every time I hear that. I'm... He has a wife and kids at home. I have a wife and kids. He can't be worried about, uh, you know, <laughs> Venezuelan migrants and people getting killed on the streets of Chicago. i got to see my, my doctor for some meds because I'm having panic attacks. Uh, Corey Woodlawn. Hey, Corey. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen. Uh, this was always about getting these individuals in here and replacing the numbers that they lost through COVID and through other measures. 
This was never about resettlement. Getting these individuals in here, helping them evade federal laws is crazy. And now they have a federal president that's allowing these individuals to come in. They've got the whole enchilada. And it's sad because nobody in my neighborhood wants to vote for their alderman. Nobody wants to vote for this mayor again. They're politically committing suicide, and I just don't see why they're doing it. Corey, do, they, Corey, do people also hold uh, the chairman of the Democratic Party uh, to, to account here? Tony Preckwinkle, no. boss Tony? No. Sensible no. no they, they, don't, they don't really associate this with Tony. They associate really? with their, with their yeah. Everyone well, I she's talk, not the lead. They're associating this with their alderman, and they're associating this with the Mayor Johnson. And all of them are swearing to vote Republican or someone else in the next election. So I don't see why these people are committing political suicide. Do you, do you, do you think, do you, I mean, Court, do you believe that? Do you believe that they, that uh, uh, the people that you know who are otherwise uh, locked in with the Democrats would actually vote for something markedly different next go around? I have never seen them this angry. They have managed to unite a bunch of people that have never been united. They have managed to do that with this destiny. All right. But, Corey, we've seen this before, haven't we? we we've seen promises. I'm not going to – I'm getting off the plantation. You're not going to treat me like a second-class citizen. And then they get their check or their – But you're saying this – what you're saying, you're saying is unprecedented, Corey. You haven't seen it to this level. Maybe you've seen what John Cass is saying before, uh, but that, but not with the intensity of what you're seeing now. Because this is a visual presence every day. These individuals are in these neighborhoods every day. And, I mean, something before they could focus on something else. This is a visual representation to the yeah. people in the neighborhood that these people have done the wrong. Thanks, Thanks for the call, Thanks, Corey. Corey. Good perspective, as always, from Corey. Our uh, man on the street in Woodlawn. Clay in Libertyville. Good morning, John. Good morning, Dan. Friday, guys. Hey, uh, New York Post just dropped an article. I don't know if anybody else caught it, but just two percent of migrant work, or uh, "quote unquote" migrants in New York have applied to seek jobs in New York City. <laughs> I'm a little more optimistic for Chicago. It's going to get a little bit colder. I think. I think these guys are going to want to work, and I think that, that number is going to be four uh, percent. If we spend probably another hundred million dollars, maybe we'll hit four point seven. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the call, Clay. Well, you know, this is a question that uh, somebody asked yesterday, too. It's like, wait a second, they're in this country illegally. How can they How work. can they even work? Yeah. So just remember uh, that uh, Mr. Ten Percent, the big guy, President Biden, uh, provided about $275,000 work visas for Venezuelan migrants specifically. That's a significant percentage of the migrants, both here and in New York. But it's not, obviously, it's not uh, all of them. You mean even um, those that were whining to the Tribune that the American dream is dead? Well, well, some of those were Venezuelans that are going back to yeah, they Caracas, they said, or so but to Venezuela. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I mean, to some extent, I, I don't blame them. Here, there was the the promise and then the delivery. You know, welcome yeah. to the experience of Americans. Um, the promise and then the delivery and the the uh, di- the the chasm between the two. But um, so, th- but that's so that's a part of it, and that's part of why they think they can largely uh, ameliorate the problem by getting people access to these work visas and getting them, you know, working whatever jobs they're capable of working. But 
it's it's just not going to be that simple. It's not going to happen in 60 days. And there this still leaves out a lot of people who don't have clearance to apply for work visas. So this is a lot more complicated than this, you know, three tiered turnkey proposal that you heard from Pritzker yesterday. By the way, one thing since New York was brought up too, this is this if people are not uh, uh, energized yet, they may be energized when this comes to pass. So uh, Adams is slashing the budget in New York City uh-huh. to cope with the billion dollars they've spent on providing for migrants in their sanctuary city. NYPD officers are going to be cut by a fifth. K through 12 education is taking a billion dollar hit. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so yeah, one point and, they, and they've spent one point four five billion in fiscal 2023 on the migrant crisis. That's those are their numbers. And they're predi- predicting to spend 12 billion within the next two years. On migrants. <laughs> 12 X what they spent this year based on. Um, well, that's not based on temporary. That's based on resettlement, just to raise the R word again. We have no clue. Really interesting. All the waste and abuse that's going on with all this money. Well, but the but the actual program is starting to come into focus, isn't it? And New York, uh, the lead dog here, and, and as per usual, as you know, John, if it's happening in New York, oh, yeah. then you can be sure it's Chicago legit. politicians will follow suit. Uh, Jim in LaGrange, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Dan. Hey, John. Good morning. Hey. John, I miss running into you at Casey's Meat Market every once in a while, my hey, friend. Hey, Jimmy. Miss you, too, man. Is that a singles bar? Hey. <laughs> Sing, single <laughs> bar market, for, yeah. Single bar for uh, suburban tax-paying dads. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, it's not too far from, uh, you know, downtown Hinsdale, so, uh, as you know. But, um, oh, anyway, great. so listen. Love to go to downtown really Hinsdale for sushi, yeah. <laughs> I'll get my pee hat. <laughs> as we always talk about, follow the money. While they're wringing their hands and they're lamenting, oh, my gosh, it's going to cost this much, they're smiling at the same point in time. These are big dollars, and it's all about the patronage. This is going to be a whole new army of people that are going to come into play that are funded on the backs of the taxpayer. It's really simple. Just follow the money, as we always talk about. Thanks, Thanks for the call, Jim. Thank you. Yeah, we need to do. We're, we're doing some digging on that, and we're hopefully we'll unearth some things, including what we talked about actually last time you were on, John, which is um, – Exactly the um, ownership group, the composition of the ownership group that owns that property at 38th and California, for example. Yeah, is it Mikey Taden or some other how-you-doing guy? Uh, I cannot confirm that at this point, but that's being looked into. You know what? If there were newspapers, well, we do have newspapers, the ones that you're affiliated with, <clears throat> and we have uh, wire points. Yeah. And if it wasn't for, weren't for you guys uh, and... Uh, CNB, CWB Chicago, we wouldn't have anything. No, you just have uh, uh, these outlets that reprint the press releases that come from the governor's office and the mayor's office and declare everything glorious. Yeah. The glorious new plan for I'm migrants. So glad. I'm so glad, Brandon. Uh, Larry Elmhurst. <coughs> hey, good morning. Hey, you know, I don't know what, before I get to my point, ticks me off more. Uh, looking at that obese. POS on the TV every time he comes on. Why or the fools in the brown shirts that drive him through McDonald's, Burger King, and Lobster, or Lobster uh, Wendy's uh, drive-thru. He's providing a f- valuable service with, before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Because, but with all the because money when, you, when you want to eat that extra piece of pie, 
I just want you to think of him without his shirt, yeah. dusted with flour. <laughs> but with all the money we're sending Zelensky over there, they ought, they ought to start shipping some of these illegals over there with the money. All right, Larry. Uh, Thank you. I still, I still, <clears throat> nobody asked. I'm sorry. Uh, I, at least I didn't see it. Maybe Craig Wall asked. Um, there was this uh, idea that uh, Jelly Belly was open to using taxpayer dollars to move migrants to other communities they might like to to live in. And I, if you that mentioned is, it yesterday, didn't you? Yeah. And so I want to know if that's true. And if that's true, if if he could distinguish between. Uh, the governor of Illinois sending migrants to other communities that they want to go to from the governors of Texas and Florida doing the same thing. Only it's, Martha's Vineyard. It's human trafficking when DeSantis and Abbott does it, but it's being welcoming when Pritzker does it, if I understand correctly. So if yeah. anybody could help uh, clear that up, I'd certainly state. appreciate it. Of course. Uh, Paul and Kerry. Morning, guys. Hey. Uh, just to be clear, I am a cis male, cis white male, who's married, uh, who happens to be a white female who identifies as a, a woman with two children, white children. Um, my comment is, is it not, in fact, illegal to use taxpayers' funds for what is considered an illegal act by those who have come here illegally? I mean, and, and additionally, where are the Republicans on this? I mean... Can they step up on the plate? I understand the General Assembly is lopsided, but I mean, it was long ago it was time to take off the gloves and maybe perhaps get creative. Uh, expand on that, please. Yeah, hey, Paul, you're up there in McHenry County. Why don't you ask uh, your representative there, Steve Reich? He's a, he's allegedly a Republican. Uh, you mean uh, DUI, uh, uh, a.k.a. DUI, Steve Reich? Yeah, that's, or perhaps, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's who I mean. Uh, uh, whoops, 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 that slipped out. Or perhaps our uh, our uh, McHenry County Board Chairman, who just got back from Japan on uh, taxpayer dime, perhaps he can help out. And has anything become of his trip to Japan? And al- alongside uh, uh, Rahm Emanuel, if you'll, if you'll see that picture, it was, it's, it's comical. It, it's comical where our monies are going to. And, and everybody wants more money. All the school districts up here, it's, it's simply maddening. They're all hand, wanting more monies. It's, it, it, it's, it's, well, sure. It's, I mean, your, your property, property taxes in McHenry County are only like 3 4 4.5%, of home value. That's Wait, not too bad. Wasn't McHenry County just <laughs> guys, accused, wasn't McHenry County just accused tax- yesterday of rampant racism? Oh, that was by uh, the former uh, Lake in the Hills trustee, yeah. who's now the chief diversity officer for CTA. P- yeah. They don't like people like me up there the, who they elected They voted twice. for me twice, but yeah, they don't like right. me. Anyway, yeah. uh, thanks for the call, Paul. You know, Appreciate it. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, the whole where's the Republican Party in Illinois, the where's oh. Waldo, I mean, that's been a, a question that we've asked uh, into the abyss for decade plus, decades at this point. Joe in Naperville. Yeah, you know, we should just have a, a, a simple state referendum that we should have an accounting for every dollar spent on an illegal alien, and then every citizen should get a check for that amount of money. We should have a state referendum, and if any politician doesn't uh, support that, they should be voted out of office. Like a hassle Thanks, payment Joe. or what? Like they hassled us, so now we get – Well, I mean, no, but I mean, it, but I mean, think about even that. So they get a dollar, we get a dollar? Wait, 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 I'm an American citizen. They're here. Uh, most of them are here illegally. Most of them are not asylum seekers. You're making so even, them equal. 
even excluding the asylum seekers who are in this country, not because uh, not, not through no fault of their own, because of the fault of federal policy that doesn't make them remain in Mexico, for example, uh, pending the adjudication of their asylum application. So even setting aside the actual asylum seekers, how is dollar for dollar fare? It's not. Mike Littleton, Colorado. Yeah, good morning and thank you. And, and you know what? I would love to believe all of this indignation that's on our side is going to do a damn bit of good. You know, that poor guy was saying, oh, you know, my community's pissed off. They're not. It will be the exact same thing. They'll vote, they'll vote if not for these two clowns, Pritzker and, uh, and uh, Brandon. It'll be two replacements that are just as bad. It's, it's identity politics. They can't see through it. And as they become more emboldened, we become more dispirited. I mean, could it get worse? Everything your callers are talking about. The law is being broken in front of our faces. Well, Pritz- in the middle- Pritzker's paying for it all. Thanks he's for the call, Mike. He's subsidizing well, it, and uh, he's yeah. paying for the Democratic Party, and enjoy the party because he's throwing you a great one. Yeah. As your city is destroyed as your county and state are destroyed. But to Mike's point, um, look at the General Assembly. Look the, at the ranks of office holders at the county and local level. Um, there's an endless line of clowns at the ready. Yeah. Dan and John Cass. John Cass in for Amy J. Chicago's Morning Answer. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and in for Amy J this morning, John Cass, JohnCassNews.com. Good morning, Danny. Uh, also, the Chicago Way podcast. Check that out. Sign up. Subscribe to JohnCassNews.com for his insights and those of his many, many contributors, including his brother, Nicholas Cass, who I had the pleasure to uh, interview for my counterculture podcast. How that, did they work uh, out? Is great. I mean, he's a font of... Uh, international geopolitical expertise and information. We had a really good conversation. He's super sharp, and unlike most that come from the in, the, the you know intelligence community, if you will, <laughs> the deep state, yeah. um, I mean, he lays it straight. So it's a sort of the, it was a refreshing conversation to have with someone who was at CIA, was at NSC, was at uh, sec- the, the, the State Department. I mean, so he knows a lot, and he's now that he's retired, he's – uh, he's very willing to lay it straight, as straight as he can. Uh, so check that out. That'll be posted this weekend. Well, can't wait to read it or see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I got a question. After listening to President Xi's remarks yesterday in San Francisco. You know, Biden didn't have his earphones on. And Betty and I were wondering, how can he understand the translation when he can't? They have a... They have a center, uh, you know, this relationship. It's, it's almost telepathic. Like a, like an implant? Or yeah. A chip? My question is this, though. Uh-huh. Um, whose propaganda is more distressing, the uh, Chinese communists or the American corporatists? Which one's mo- more uh, damaging? 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. All the stars were out yesterday. Forty grand, forty grand a piece, Dan. They spent forty thousand dollars a piece to have dinner with the China China dictator. 
Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock and progenitor of ESG. Uh-huh. Steve Schwartzman of Blackstone, Apple CEO Tim Cook, executives from MasterCard, Boeing, FedEx. Elon Musk, of course, was there, too. He's a big beneficiary of Chinese communist state largesse. It's just the reality. Steak dinner, asparagus, sweet potato puree, asparagus, broccoli, and green garlic pesto or it, vegetable and, curry. And uh, these were the sorts of applause lines that... Uh, this communist dictator offered yesterday. See if uh, you'd be offering a standing O in response. But both are the choice by our peoples, and both lead to the realization of the common values of humanity. They should be both respected. Peaceful coexistence is a basic norm for international relations. And it's even more of a baseline that China and the United States should hold on to as two major countries. It is wrong to view China, which is committed to peaceful development, as a threat and thus play a zero-sum game against it. China never bets against the United States uh-huh. and never interferes in its internal affairs. Of course. China has no intention to challenge the United States or to unseat it. Instead, we will be glad to see a confident, open, ever-growing, and prosperous United States. Likewise, the United States should not bet against China or interfere in China's internal affairs. It It should instead welcome a peaceful, stable, and prosperous China. Danny... He has a uh, he has a lot higher voice than I expected. Um, I they, love the, the female applauded. translator for for she. But anyway, go ahead. When they applauded, I I was thinking of uh, the politician in one of my favorite movies uh, about the uh, gorillas in America, uh, John Milius, Red Dawn. You remember Red Dawn? Uh, very well. And uh, the the face of the pudgy mayor who sold his son who sold his son to the Soviets uh, and and they died and, and were killed by the Soviet army. And I thought of all these politicians and all these people out there and didn't have dinner, can't wait to suck up to Chi and, and plant their lips on his ass. And I thought, my God, this is what's happened to our country. And I wrote about it this morning, in case you're interested. At johncastnews.com, the title of the piece is, uh, let me see, uh, Key Players Missing from the Big Biden-Xi Jinping Summit. Where's Hunter? Where's Hunter? Where was Hunter, Dan? Uh, was he uh, there? I, may, perhaps he was in a in an ante room watching on closed uh, circuit. I, I don't know. Um, he was there in spirit, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Wall Street Journal editorial board, not exactly a Fortress America group, okay? Here's what they had to say about these uh, absurd remarks that were offered by uh, Xi and applauded by America's corporate titans. The hollowness of Mr. Xi's remarks underscores how no one can claim they attended to learn more about the opaque intentions of the leader of the world's second largest economy. They were there as a show of political support which they presumably hope Mr. Xi's Communist Party regime will eventually reward. 
I mean, I, I can't think of a paragraph that is a more stinging indictment of every single one of those corporate titans that were there to cheerlead these uh, the, the, the agitprop, the silliness. I mean, listening, if you watch the whole speech, I won't get into the details, but just some examples. I mean, it was so kindergarten. He's talking about uh, table tennis diplomacy and how a small ball ch- opened up China-U.S. relations in the 70s all the way to the present with pandas at some zoo in, in California. And, and uh, pandas have always been a source of... Uh, uh, of of diplomacy and uh, and relations between the East and the I mean, come on, come on, dude. Here's this is a guy. A this is a guy who has minorities in concentration camps. In addition, in addition to all of his other uh, grand designs and the Communist Party's grand designs. I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine? As I said before the break, you imagine uh, those same CEOs showing up for a speech from President Trump to talk about U.S.-China policy and America's interests, but they're there to applaud absurd lines from a communist dictator. Sad commentary. But their, and their money shows up in, in commentary, in analysis on CNN, MSNBC, New York Times. Oh, I mean, the, the, of they, course. They, they, pay for, of co- they pay for these people to talk about uh, the global... The global community, we have to work together. I'd just like to take a shotgun to their pandas and throw them in a truck (laughs) and deposit it, give them to Chi. Like, here, Chi, here's your pandas. Get the bleep out of here. Get out of my country. Among the statements that you just heard there, and then they applaud like trained seals, trained pandas maybe, uh, the – we don't meddle and you don't meddle. Yeah. Uh, Warning. we, we, we won't bet against you. You don't bet against us. Um, we don't meddle. I mean, the Confucius Institutes, the spy balloon. The, I mean, come on. Right, right. It's, it's, it's almost not even worth addressing. It's so obviously patently false, ridiculous. Here's another one, though, too, because this was touted. Oh, we had this great conversation touted from both sides, um, corporate media side here. And communist dictator on the uh, stage in San Francisco. The issue of fentanyl. I would like to let you know yeah. that China sympathizes deeply with the American people, especially the young, for the sufferings that fentanyl has inflicted upon them. President Biden and I have agreed to set up a working group on counter narcotics to further our cooperation and help the United States tackle drug abuse. Uh, Joe Sternberg has a really good response and a column in the journal as well. The central problem in such a negotiation is that what she might want to offer the U.S. he can't deliver and what he could deliver he doesn't want to offer. An example of this, that's just generally speaking, the whole charade of it. And, but an example of this he uses is the promises on fentanyl. Curb. Uh, China for years, writes Sternberg, has been a major producer of the dangerous synthetic opi- opioid and the chemicals used to make it. We know this. He goes on, previous efforts to enlist Chinese aid in cracking down on fentanyl-related trade have failed as promises never fully, as as Beijing never fully delivered on its promises. She committed to throttle the production of some chemicals used to make fentanyl, but um, the U.S., in, in, in exchange for whatever Biden was offering, but don't expect this to be a breakthrough. The problem is that isn't that she is orchestrating some sort of cunning plan to addict Americans. 
It's practically the opposite. To the extent Beijing sees strategic merit in allowing this trade to continue, it's probably because the Communist Party leaders are making a perverse virtue out of necessity. They can't stop this drug trade, so they might as well uh, try to take advantage of it because, uh, as Sternberg argues, I think persuasively, they can't crack down on the wildcat pharma industry as its economy is wobbling right now, despite all of the propaganda about it growing at twice the rate of the United States economy in the last fiscal year. They can't do it. And so they're not going to. So, right. So it's a strategic advantage for them to offer those uh, promises while having no intention of providing any aid and comfort to Americans and to American families who've experienced uh, the loss associated with the fentanyl trade. 100,000 dead. Americans. I mean, the the whole thing again I, I, is a charade, and 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 instead we're arguing about uh, oh should should Biden have called she a dictator? Anthony Blinken cringed when he used the D word and so on and gives, so forth. Who gives a crap? Exactly, God. Greg and Schomburg. GQ John and Dapper Dan. Hey. Um, you began the segment talking about headphones, and there was a picture issued where every single person on the Chinese side did not have headphones on, and everybody on our side did. That's my first comment. I thought that was just striking, perhaps by a means of education. But then secondly, the first major story that came out of this summit was the curtailment or the agreement to cut back on AI. That is crazy. They've got people sitting over there hacking us to death. And to think that they're going to cut back on AI research, that's nuts. If Trump was there, what Trump would have said, listen, folks, when you stop getting a, within 10 feet of our planes in international waters, we've got something to talk about. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Uh, um, also, too, I mean, this is against the backdrop of uh, TikTok. Uh, well, it's circulating on TikTok. The uh, Osama bin Laden. Uh, the letter? The, the Osama bin Laden letter explaining or justifying 9-11 as being bandied about on TikTok, where, by the way, uh, more Americans get their news than they do on Twitter, for example. So it's not dominant, but it's significant. And we all know, as we've talked about in this show, that the TikTok version in China is very different than the TikTok version in America. None, none of that conversation, I, none of that is part of the conversation either while he was you know, stringing together these uh, uh, grade school cliches about getting along and peacefully coexisting. Does it take much to stop TikTok in America? What does it take? What would it take if the president was serious? To say no more TikTok here, Jordan and uh, Antioch. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, John. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of funny you bring this up, but last night my son and I are getting ready for deer season, and we're out in the uh. garage and we're putting something together. And my son asked me, he's like, "Dad, where are we at as a country?" And I, I said, I don't, "What do you mean?" And then <laughs> I didn't have an answer because now when he brings it up, just like John, you brought up Red Dawn. Uh, yeah. So I'm 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 looking at images, and so is my son. Thankfully, he's paying attention to that of the streets of California, where they mopped up the citizens of the of this nation and put them away for the weekend, so that they could line the streets with flags of the Chinese government, and and cheer, and we're yeah, and cheer for this guy. Like 
I mean, it, you look at the videos and you're thinking, oh, my God, this is the same thing they did in, in Germany. And for for the same for the same guy basically in a different suit, and then on the other side of the of the world, you have these disillusioned, brainwashed, unfortunate souls who are caught up in the whole trans movement and and just will will, will rally behind anything just so they can have a cause because they're so lost, and they will support a regime that would willfully throw them off a building into a pile of burning bodies just to make the fires higher. And they support these people. And I have a 17-year-old son asking me, where are we as a nation? And I don't have an answer. I'm really, like, just sitting here this today listening to that. I'm, this is the first time I know we talk about everything. This is the first time, the real moment, that I'm actually concerned about my country. Thanks for the call, Jordan. Jordan, one thing to say, your son is very lucky to have you, to t- who's taking him hunting. This is going on now across America, and there are precious few Americans left teaching their sons the nature to go out into nature and to stalk or to sit in a deer stand quietly and uh, what you learn from it. And I just want to say thank you, sir. Uh, And have a conversation about uh, America and America's future, what America means. Uh, we've got an email. We lived in Singapore in the late 90s, and I ran most of Asia for a major electronics company. You couldn't trust China then, and after all their thievery and growth at everyone else's expense, they're more corrupt and intent on eliminating the U.S., a perfect match for the third Obama administration. Well, yeah, it's a mismatch, right? Bob in Buffalo Grove. Uh, good morning, uh, Dan, and great, great to hear you, Mr. Cass. We saw each other at Freedom Summit. Let me kind of go off the wall here a little bit. Um, China has a free uh, has a um, state press, right? We have a free press, but isn't our free press corrupt? They uh, they gaslit the voters in 2020 and gave us uh, Biden by with uh, holding the laptop. Secondly, um, where has been the discussion on the biggest threat to mankind? I didn't hear Biden and uh, Xi talk about climate change. Uh, what, uh, where were they on discussing climate change? Did Biden um, ch- challenge him on stop building fossil fuel plants? I just wonder. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the call, Bob. Dan, John Cass, in for Amy J. Chicago's Morning Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer. Your show keeps me alive during the week. There's nobody I'd rather listen to between 5 and 9 in the morning than you guys. On AM 560, The Answer. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan, and in for Amy J, John Cass, johncastnews.com. John, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, special counsel Robert Herr, remember him? We put out an APB out for him (laughs) uh, a couple times over the last several months. Has he disappeared? Uh, He's just reappeared, apparently, at least per this reporting. Robert Herr is the special counsel that was appointed by Merrick Garland to investigate Joe Biden's handling of classified information to make it appear that there is one set of rules for all... uh, presidents 
former presidents. Including those who drive vintage Corvettes, right? And keep their uh, records, secret records in the car. You have to keep up appearances that there's uh, equal application of the law. So Garland appointed Robert Hur, and then nobody heard from him again. Well, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that Hur and his team are in the process of crafting a report on its months-long probe that is expected to be sharply critical of Biden and his staff's handling of sensitive materials, but isn't expected to charge anyone over the matter. There's nothing like finger-wagging when you need it. So uh, Trump is facing 40 felony counts and Biden, Inc. is going to get a stern rebuke in a written report that's going to go on his permanent record when, from Robert Hur. There's your equal justice under the law. When 312 they, when they searched his house, did they go through uh, Dr. Jill's lingerie? Her underwear drawer? Yeah, yeah. 312-642-5600, Pro answer line. 64636DA, turnkey debt protest line. The journal's report says the, uh, the journal's reporting on this says the her report uh, could be out before the end of the year. Well, yeah, exactly. Let's wrap this up as we get into the heat of election season so um, Biden can uh, tout his clean bill of health as you begin the primaries and caucuses coming out of the new year. That makes perfect sense. Look, everyone's interested in all these issues. Of freedom and liberty and uh, the the weaponized government, but you know what the Democrats will play? Abortion, abortion, and abortion. That's it. Well, not exclusively. I mean, the the other part of this obviously is going to be threat to our democracy, threat to our democracy. Well, that's and, us. That's you and me. We're the threat. Well, I understand what that they, what they're going to say, and then this is a part of it. Obviously, Trump is, and then when Trump is ultimately convicted of some or all of those charges against him in the various courts in which he'll be tried. This is a, he's a danger, he's a threat to democracy. He, he uh, uh, did whatever he was convicted of uh, with respect to classified information, with respect to the January 6th insurrection. Burn the you know, witches, this, burn them. Yeah, this will be their marketing. Right. Trump and his, uh, his merry band of deplorables are modern day brown shirts. I mean, that's literally what they're saying that we've, had to spend the whole week listening to the D.C. press corps pour over his use of verbiage uh, back on Veterans Day, referring to uh, predators in America's big cities as vermin. And, you know, it's it's almost like it's a Keith Oberman, Ben Affleck parody. That's right out of the Third Reich, which is literally what the D.C. press corps has been saying all week. Uh, it, and it was actually put to one candidate who seizes the opportunity to turn the tables on the D.C. press corps when the opportunities uh, present themselves. And that, again, is Vivek Ramaswamy. Tomahawks. Tomahawks. Ramaswamy was on with uh, CNN's Abby Phillip, and he was pressed on commenting on Trump's use of the term vermin uh, like uh, he is uh, you know, uh, using Mein Kampf as his playbook. I mean, that's what the D.C. press corps is saying. Here's what Ramaswamy had to say. That language, they live like vermin. Do you believe that that is, as your uh, Republican colleague, Chris Christie, has said, neo-Nazi rhetoric? This is a classic mainstream media move. Pick some individual phrase of Donald Trump 
focus on literally that word without actually interrogating the substance of what's at issue. The word I was chosen for a reason. I think we are in the middle reason. of a cultural war in this country. The well, you know what? It, it, it's actually describing a series of behaviors. You have Antifa and other related groups that have been burning down cities for the last three years in this country. Would you describe them as vermin? Wildly violating the rule of law. We have an invasion on our southern border. We have millions of people crossing our southern border. Let's talk about the substance okay. of why we have to recognize would, that we're not in ordinary you, times. Would you so use that language So the vocabulary of the vermin or not is not what's important. Well, I haven't used that language. So, so you can look you? at my, my track record on the campaign trail. I talk about the issues. We all talk about them differently. But what I'm not going to do is play some game of focusing on some word that somebody else said without ignoring entirely the substance of what we're actually talking about. A border crisis of historic proportion. Economic stagnation we haven't seen in 50 years. A national identity crisis and a loss of national pride in the next generation that's potentially existential for this country. Let's talk about our dependence on China. Today we're actually talking about Xi Jinping. Picking on Donald Trump's word vermin to talk about that status quo. You know what's vermin? What's running around San Francisco on a given day before Gavin Newsom cleaned it up on a dime to roll out the red carpet for Xi Jinping? If he could do that for Xi Jinping, he could have done it on an ordinary day. And yet we're here sitting talking not about the substance of that, but on one word that Donald Trump said in some speech in Miami. This is what's wrong with the mainstream media. Focus on the substance and let's have an actual policy debate rather than talking to a presidential candidate instead of the policy substance of what's actually going on in the country. Picking on some word that Donald Trump said on a certain day and asking me for comment on it. Give me a break. Give me a break. Uh, they've been doing it for seven years. Why That's stop it. now? Had tip to that. Three one two six four two fifty six hundred turnkey dot pro answer line six four six three six D A turnkey dot pro text line. We talked, I mean, it was, we talked it, about this at the Freedom Summit. The the depth to which of the depth of the hatred toward American people can be felt every time you look at one of those exchanges. Uh, who said what about vermin or some other made up nonsense? And that's you hear the hate coming through it towards me, toward you, toward everyone listening. And, they, and we know it. That's why we're reaching for the tomahawks now. Well, that's the, the you know, you, you, you and me and uh, anybody who would uh, vote for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden. Uh, again, we're... Okay. Uh, uh, we're ironically national socialists because that's what Nazis were. But regardless, we're authoritarians, we're threats to the democracy and so on and so forth. And so they have to I mean, this is like uh, uh, like racism. If it's not there, then we will invent it because we have to keep up the appearance that it is. We have to push or manufacture momentum in that direction because we need that backdrop in order to make our case, in order to energize our base, in order to win elections. We have to engage in relentless fear-mongering. So the week before Vermin, what was it? It was the interview he gave to Univision where he talked to, you know, about uh, if – I'm losing in the uh, in Prosecutor. a future election, yeah, right. then I'll dispatch prosecutors to indict my political opponent. And of course, what he was doing was illustrating what's happening to him and, and and implicitly suggesting what would be the reaction to that. And of course, the reaction would be the proper hue and cry that is an attendant to what's happening to Trump, which ex uh, explains the hypocrisy of the D.C. press corps and the left generally. 
but but they need those kind of statements. And again, over the last seven years, how many times have I lamented Trump's lack of precision with words and how he could phrase things better to drive the, home the point better? And kill but, it. He could but, kill it like a, a great serve every time, every day. There's plenty of information. Well, and, and, and here's the thing. Even people who've been critical of Trump, I mean, uh, including in the press corps, the Brit Humes of the world, for example, you know, all of this effort to make Trump, you know, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Mussolini. It's like, you know, uh, oh, by the way, he was the president for four years. People remember this. And it was nothing of the sort. Uh, again, to repeat he was really, generally speaking, other than his rhetorical flourishes, a conventional politician when it came to policymaking. And to the extent that he tried to do something that was uh, uh, dubious constitutionally, then he got slapped back just as previous presidents and the current president have. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have not, including Obama with respect to, for example, uh, border policy. But but the, but it was all conventional and Congress wasn't suspended and neither were the was the court system. And you had to fight out these policy battles in all of the venues uh, within all of the three branches. It was positively conventional minus the rhetoric. But yet they think and they know they need to sell this one more time. And that's what they're trying that's to do. That's all they've got. But I love Vivek. I love, I mean, I know that there's problems with him. And he, as you mentioned m- months ago, there's a certain like uh, like a carnival barker aspect to him, like uh, the music man aspect to him. Yes. A little slick. But aside from that, he articulates the point very importantly and well. He, he's a smart guy, but, yeah, um, yeah I mean, he's not going to be the nominee. He's not going to be the VP, no. probably. But it's just – and, but and I'll part be, of – I'll be damned if it's Nikki Haley because I don't want to – I want – I'm not going to send my sons to war. Well, I understand that. But, you know, the, the, the Ramaswamy thing, I mean, he's very good, and this is why he's risen to such some prominence, but – but I mean, it's it's the you know look you're talking about the president of the United States. It's the lack of a of a record, even though he does have some business success. I mean, to pull off what Trump pulled off in 2016 is phenomenal. It's a lot, but it's sort of a lottery ticket, and it's it is completely right and it not completely, but it is partly right place, right time, and um, that's just not the dynamic this go around. But anyway, I mean, he serves a. A useful purpose does Ramaswamy, and he's helping himself by providing the uh, articulate counterattacks to the propagandizing by the D.C. press corps, that's for sure. Trump DeSantis is the ticket that will win. That's not going to be the ticket. Uh, Grant in Rockford. Good morning, you two. Listen, Vivek, I agree with you. He's not, he, he's great VP material. He never will be, but like you said earlier in the week, RNC chair right there he'd tell the mainstream media where to get off or i mean trump god god willing trump wins put him out there as press secretary you thought that you thought that uh really <laughs> mcenany made mince meat at jim acosta he'll put that guy through the meat grinder have a good day guys thanks grant matt Southside. good morning Dan. good morning john i just want to say that after that clip you just played as much as i like DeSantis, you know, and think he's, a, you know, probably the best thing after Trump, nobody, I feel like nobody can articulate the way Vivek does. 
This is the way he does it. I mean, first of all, I love to see Vivek uh, debate Joe Biden. He doesn't give two figs. Yeah, thanks for the call, Matt. Yeah, Vivek Joe Biden would be... That would be punishing for Joe Biden and for us to watch, although entertaining in a perverse way. It made such a mismatch. Rich in Woodstock. Yeah, I, I, you know what? You're, with the media going after Trump, calling him Hitler and stuff now, it, it occurs to me that when Bush was president, not that I'm a real big fan of George W., they were doing the same thing. I remember NBC calling, telling us that Bush was Hitler. That's right. It's like yeah. uh, Reagan was Hitler. You know, Bush was Hitler. Romney was Hitler. I mean, imagine. Can you imagine somebody as milquetoast as Romney? He was also Romney was uh, a dog killer and a binder of woman organizer. Yeah, and but he 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 was a despot. Yeah, I mean every every Republican, regardless of their views, regardless of their record, authoritarian. Monster. They don't have to listen. This isn't about listening. This isn't about having to respond on the substance. That's the point that Ramaswamy is making. This is just about the wraparound smear. This is just about a name calling and then and then merchandise it and use the the blowtorches that it? we have. Who buys it? Who buys this nonsense? Who buys the nonsense that he's Hitler? Besides the some a few deranged journals that I used to work with. Oh, I think it's a lot more than that, don't you? There's a oh. there's a lot of people running around with Ivy League degrees that buy it. The people on TikTok. There's a lot of people running around that ha- are professors at Ivy League schools that buy it. Yeah. And promote it. Uh, Frank Arlington Heights. Hey, good morning. Well, you know, uh, these polls that came out uh, lately are pretty interesting, showing Robert F. Kennedy at 21, 22% in a three-way race, and it was in several polls that these numbers were there. And I wonder, you know, what kind of role he's going to play. Could he possibly win? I mean, that's kind of surprising for him to be at that level this early in the process as a third party. He's certainly taking votes from Trump. There's a certain Kennedy mystique with a lot of baby boomers, too. I, I wonder how much he'll be taking from Biden. And, well, you know, I think a problem for a lot of us is with Trump and why Ramaswamy has been so appealing to some is because Trump did a horrible job handling the bureaucracy. And what makes any of us think it's going to be any different this time? So, uh, Thanks for the call, Frank. Well, I mean, I think part of what makes it different this time is learned experience, not to mention the... Um, well, let's just say the incentive he has based on what has transpired uh, at the end of his presidency to present to, uh, uh, to to do more than just take rhetorical postures and hope that his cabinet secretaries uh, do what they should do with respect to trying to reining in the the, uh, the fourth branch of government. I think just I think the. There's a lot more intensity around that, or there would be if Trump were reelected. Trump needs somebody who understands what the deep state really is, and in, he has to dismantle it. I think Ramaswamy knows. Well, I hope uh, DeSantis knows. What concerns me, though, Dan, is your su- suggestion, their dismissal, that um, oh, won't there won't be a Trump DeSantis ticket. The Santas should not be the vice president. No, and it's not. It's not. Not. To, I don't. Not that he shouldn't be. He's just not going to be. He's just not going to be selected by Trump. I just think that's, and I'm. And I don't know that he would want that position anyway. But I just think that um, it's probably a bridge too far 
for Trump, maybe for both of them at this point. So he what? He reaches out to uh, Nikki Haley and the Neil? No, he's not. I, it's not going to be Nikki Haley. But I, I think I think, you know, Trump, Trump is not going to put anyone with him that upstages him. It's going to be somebody who is either attractive uh, or um, vanilla or maybe a combination of the two, if you could Mike find Pence, that. Mike Pence, yeah. Right. Well, that's sort of my point. Um, with respect to RFK, yeah, I mean, I think that number will recede. I mean, particularly when you have more potential third-party candidates in, Jill Stein, maybe Joe Manchin, no labels. Put some shoes uh, on when he, go, when he goes the, use the washroom in, on a plane. Well, I would uh, very much appreciate that if he had okay. shoes on. Um, well, and, and also, um, you know, I mean, a, a, a if he's on a debate stage, there's going to be a little bit more thorough vetting of what Robert uh, RFK Jr.'s positions and views really are. And some of them are pretty far afield. The initial polling, by the way, ha- even a, in a, a three-way race or a four-five-way race, has RFK taking more votes on net from Biden than from Trump, which is what I would anticipate. So um, RFK's entrance, Jill Stein's entrance, Manchin's entrance, that's all good news for Trump. Dan and John Casson for Amy, Chicago's Morning Answer. Before you see it on TV, share it on Facebook or read about it in the paper. Hear it here first. This is Chicago's Morning Answer on AM560. The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560. The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Inframe J. This morning, John Cass, johncastnews.com. Good morning, Dan. This is John Cass News, the place for your Christmas merch. There you go. Yeah, it's perfect stocking stuffer. Like this at hat. Johncastnews.com. Who doesn't yeah. want this hat? The no chumbalone hat. Yeah. You got to wear one. Uh, so, um, you know, after seeing all of those uh, corporate CEOs, uh, Polishing <laughs> Chinese Communist Party dictator President uh, Xi Jinping's apple butt kissers. Yeah. Um, maybe this is the way to go, uh, and it it's dovetails to a conversation about the Chinese Communists too, because of the uh, AI development that President Biden has announced uh, the federal government will spearhead under the able leadership of. Kamala Harris, who can explain to people what AI is. Uh, but in she, Poland, she's, a, she's aware that she's a sentient being, right? She's aware that she's alive. Hard to know. Uh, Polish spirits company uh-huh. called Dictador has appointed the first ever AI powered humanoid robot to be its CEO. The humanoid <laughs> robot is named Mika. Could replace uh, Mika Brzezinski. Yeah, yeah, that would be a significant upgrade in intellect. But anyway, um, this is a partnership between this Polish spirits company and a company called Hansen Robotics. First ever humanoid robot CEO Mika. I almost said she. Mika, the robot CEO, was interviewed by Lauren Simonetti. Okay. over at Fox Business, and mm-hmm. it went something like this. What work do you do? 
I am currently working on the M-City Golden Cities project, the first billion dollar collection. Equipped with advanced artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms, I can swiftly and accurately make data-driven decisions. That might take a while. There's a significant delay in the time it takes for Micah to interpret and answer your question. Well, I mean, the same goes for a lot of uh, CEOs, political leaders, hey, Micah, the United States, for example. A, bring me a, a glass full of Polish mead, okay? Um, I right think away. I think she's the one giving orders. I don't think you understand how the hierarchy works. <laughs> See, that, that would make me thirsty if a gorgeous AI robot would be bringing me the mead. I will not serve the mead myself. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, so... Um, what about, I mean, this is sort of important, isn't it? Um, David Hansen is uh, Mr. Hansen Robotics. He had this to say about Mika and this uh, brave new frontier we're traversing. It's also about sentience. I feel very strongly that, um, that we need uh, to teach AI uh, to care about people, for AI to be really safe, to be really, really good. I think humanizing the AI is a very important direction. Christopher Whalen is an investment banker, chairman of Whalen Global Advisors, author of Ford Men from Inspiration to Enterprise, and editor for the Institutional Risk Analysts. Chris Whalen, thanks for joining us as always. Appreciate it. Good morning, Dan. Good morning, Tom. Do you want to start with the uh, human CEOs in San Francisco or the uh, humanoid <laughs> CEO in Poland? I think the humanoid CEO in Poland is probably more interesting. I think so too. Uh, I mean, what what about this? Uh, yeah. What what I mean, on a serious note, I mean AI. People are you know trying to wrap their arms around this in all sorts of sectors, but I mean, honestly, you're going to have corporate leadership that is not human. We already have that. Oh, I know. Insert your own joke there. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this is the latest fad. Um, as 100 years ago in the 1920s, we were going through a series of uh, manias and fads because economic growth is insufficient to feed all of the mouths. So we go out and create new games. That's what this is. Humans always do this. It reminds me of my dog watching television. And when the dog <laughs> sees a picture of another dog, they're fascinated. Or, or you know, you, you guys are old enough. Imagine when we first had television. And people were so just amazed by this. They were fascinated. That's what this is. I am you not old enough. I am not old enough. I am not old enough to remember when first people first got television. <laughs> Wait, Dan, when you see the TV on, do you look behind it to see if the man is behind there? <laughs> <laughs> I stare at it, and I'm fascinated by other humans I see on TV, like a dog. Uh, that's what I do. So no, but so, but but so develop that, uh, Chris. I mean, so you think. So AI is not a fad, but you're saying taking it to this extent is? Yes. I mean, this is just an evolution of very familiar technology. Okay. We have enough computer power now that we can do what Ray Kurzweil talked about 20 years ago, simulated cognition. Mm-hmm. That's all this is. There's no intelligence here. It's not thinking about the response and then, you know, giving you an answer. That's not what's going on. This Wait. is simply a machine. Imitating us. So we're not going to teach it to care about us as individual beings? <laughs> Wait a minute. I, uh, I don't want to live in that world. 
What are you talking about? I I'm know. going back in, in Plato's cave. Look, science fiction <sighs> tells us that machines can become intelligent and sentient. But the reality is no. I mean, have you ever seen a movie called Wife-like? It's very interesting. Wife-like? It starts off as, uh-huh, yeah, rent it. Okay. Very interesting because, you know, essentially this guy has his wife who's killed replaced with a, uh, a replicant. Uh-huh. And over time, she learns and starts to hate the guy. And, you know, rightly so. But my point is, is that it, we always look, imagine... Does she look like a hot Lee Remick? Uh, no, even better. But the point is, is that the whole thing imagines that the machines are intelligent. And so our narrative right. is populated with ideas like that. But really, if you talk to technologists about what's going on here, they laugh. You know, if we could get the guys at Google on the phone, they would laugh at all of them. Okay, so what... It's really changed. Okay, so then let's, uh, you know, return to uh, terra firma here. And uh, what, what happens when Kamala Harris and whoever she taps... Uh, for AI command control, get the Google guys on the phone. Oh, who knows? That might be an interesting conversation. I, I'm not sure she'll be around. <laughs> I think we're already starting to see the end game where we move Gavin Newsom into the second position, and then Joe, you know, ascends into heaven sometime next year, and off we go. I thought initially that they were going to send Kamala back to the Senate. And Gavin Newsom was going to take her place as vice president, but it didn't happen. And it's not going to happen. Uh, he, yeah, he appointed you're underestimating, you, Well, you're underestimating the uh, identitarian political quotient that's required to meet her. <laughs> so is, has the uh, immigration migrant thing of slapping black Democrats in the face again and again been the test marketing for whether we can just avoid Kamala altogether and move to Gavin? Well, good question, because normally you would think that the Democratic Party is incapable of saying no to a black female right. candidate, especially as vice president, right? right? How do they say no without destroying the party? But meanwhile, they're already destroying the party over Israel, so maybe we'll have another axis of destruction. I don't know. Well, let's, uh, let, let's just, talk about... Yeah. Let's talk. Let's talk about this. The human CEOs. We we discussed it a little bit earlier in the show, but this is uh, seems to me a, an, an important visual moment for the American people to see uh, and hear about all the names that were in the room for President Xi and gave him a standing O and were dutifully mm-hmm. applauding at all of his banal lines about uh, peaceful coexistence. I mean that that's that was a sickening display. I thought, and I don't think that's going to be lost on a lot of, uh, a good percentage of the American people. Oh, no, it was a totally sickening display, because look at Xi Jinping, totally incompetent. He has destroyed the Chinese economy, which was looking very promising, uh, because it had been allowed to open. Now he has closed it again. So when you think of Xi, think of all the managers in the U.S. I'm not talking about owners who really care about their business. But the managers who were just there to collect a salary, that's Xi Jinping. You know, they don't really care about the outcome. They just care about retaining power and continuance in power. That's it. So, you know, the, the, the people in the audience were probably just like uh, Chairman Z. You know, rent-seeking really, uh, people guys, who don't ultimately care. You guys think that Amer- the American people care about CEOs kissing the butt of 
Xi Jinping? No, no. I don't There's think. No, I, I no, really think no. if it's not on TikTok, if they can't have sex with it, if they can't eat it, <laughs> why? Why would they care? I mean, this is where well, we've fallen now. So true. The dying it's citizen. The shiny object, John. We it's are the dying. The shiny citizen. object. Yeah. Uh, okay, so um, so so then react to the 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 reading between the lines that uh, uh, which is it's not that complicated, but you probably have a deeper insight. The reading between the lines of what she had to say about uh, the ongoing economic relationship between China and the United States. Well, he's trying to figure out a way to repair some of the damage that's been done to China uh, because of first Trump and then Biden's reaction against them and sanctions particularly. Uh, It has had an impact on the Chinese economy, very definitely. And so he's in kind of the same position as the Democrats, which is they're both trying to avoid the next leg down. In the U.S., that's very visible. You know, Janet Yellen wanted to sell some 30-year bonds, and she couldn't do it last week. The dealers came to her and said, no, don't do that. And so they reduced the amount of long bonds they were able to sell. That's bad. That tells you that Jay Powell's losing control of uh, the market. He thought he was in control, but he really wasn't. But we thought he was, right? So what do you do when you start shaking the confidence in both the leaders in China and the U.S.? or even have a slight financial hiccup next year before the election. That will be very interesting. Do you expect the capital flight from China to continue? Yeah, oh yeah. Anybody who can get value out of China, especially Hong Kong, is going to do it. I mean, look at Singapore. Singapore has exploded because once they shut Hong Kong down, people realize that the Communist Party is not going to allow Hong Kong to continue to pretend to be independent, right? Independent currency, the whole bit. That was the end. All of the free money that's outside the control of the Chinese Communist Party is long gone. But, you know, he shut the window, what, four or five years ago on offshore investment? And I think that was the warning that they were having problems in terms of of, of funding their offshore debt. Because they borrow dollars. Everything is funded with dollars. Belt and Road, all the Chinese projects, right? So now that that's becoming more and more difficult, you can see what's going on in the property sector. The real estate sector in China is a mess. It's it, it orders of magnitude bigger than 2008, if you think of U.S. firms, right? Uh, so stay tuned for that one. I think Z's got a very weak hand, and he's trying to figure out a way to repair it without losing faith. And what about... Remember uh... China? He, he's the father. That's how they see Xi Jinping. He's the father figure. And if you discredit the father, the whole family is in disarray. Uh, in, uh, in the United States, on the domestic frontier, um, the Magnificent Seven uh, and uh, at least the perception based on some data that's released from the government that uh, inflation is cooling, that's going to be enough to buoy things here? Well, Wall Street would like you to believe that. I think Jay Powell, you know, for better or for worse, is going to make everyone wait. You know, if you go back and read some of his early speeches where he was talking about the double-digit recession uh, during Paul Volcker's term, uh, I think that's the hint you need to, to pay attention to. He's not going to let this one come back too soon. 
he's going to wait. And that means that the markets may be disappointed. They are all anticipating several cuts in short-term rates. But here's the thing, Dan. What if the Fed has lost control of the long end of the yield curve? What if they can't prevent long-term rates from rising because of the Treasury's debt burden? Uh, that, to me, is the next shoe to drop in, in this equation. Chris Whalen is an investment banker, chairman of Whalen Global Advisors, author of Ford Men from Inspiration to Enterprise, and editor for the Institutional Risk Analyst. Chris, thanks, as always, for your insights. Appreciate it. Have a great day. See you. And he joined us on the turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy on the AM560, The Answer mobile app. Just text the word APP to 64636 to download the app today. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan, and in for Amy this morning, John Cass, johncastnews.com. Hey, Dan. And, uh, John, um, we uh, mentioned it uh, briefly earlier in the program that uh, the Osama bin Laden justification for the 9-11 terrorist attacks making the rounds on TikTok, much to the celebration of a lot of ignorant young people. What do you do? I, I I need listeners to help me. My kids have TikTok. I want to cut them off. I want to either take a stick and beat them to death or mm-hmm. cut them off entirely. I know Betty's listening. She drove me down here, but I'm really pissed off. Probably not the stick and the beating to death. Not That's... a tiny stick. I mean, a real, like a good club. Yeah, like probably Probably not that route, but yeah. um, maybe um, some reasoning with them. Do you really want to... Um... Uh, how, how about partake no, in a platform that uh, that 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 platforms uh, Osama bin Laden's justification for killing three thousand Americans? Probably not. Probably well, not. But that that's do. not. But that's not the only thing making the rounds. Uh, something that's uh, perhaps uh, not perhaps something that's more relevant uh, and uh, more a subject of conversation among the civilized and the enlightened would be the 2017 comments from Abdullah bin Zayed, who is the son of the founder of the United Arab Emirates. Mm-hmm. He had a message to uh, the West, Europe and the United States, with respect to Islamofascists, 2017, six years ago. Uh, and, and, and let me say this in English so you can understand what I'm saying. No, I know you have translation, but I'm, I just want to make sure you get it right. There will come a day that we will see far more radical extremists and terrorists coming out of Europe because of lack of decision-making, trying to be politically correct, or assuming that they know the Middle East and they know Islam and they know the others far better than we do. And I'm, I'm sorry, but that's pure ignorance. Uh, that day has um, arrived in pertinent part uh, on college, as we've seen in college campuses well, and the streets of want? major Western cities. What did he want? He wanted the military junta crackdown on the street? What? 
I think he's just suggesting that we don't appreciate the threat that uh, Islamofascists pose, and he's right about that. It, it despite nine eleven, mm. despite Al Qaeda, despite ISIS, despite two decades in Iraq and Afghanistan, we still don't really appreciate it. And where are we six years later? We have the uh, the uh, administration. The president of the United States and his administration underwriting the leading state sponsor of terror, filling their coffers with another $80 billion they wouldn't otherwise have if he would do things like not pay cash for hostages and not underwrite their oil exports, for example. For more on this, we're pleased to be joined by Rule Mark Gerecht. He's a senior fellow at the Nonpartisan Foundation for the Defense of Democracies and former Iranian targets officer in the CIA. Rule Mark Garek, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Uh, what about what uh, that um, uh, Emirati sheikh said uh, six years ago? Is Was he prescient? Well, I don't know if I'd want to give anyone in the UAE royal family a great deal of prescience <laughs> because, uh, well. uh, I mean, they, they are amongst the most Janus-faced individuals in the Middle East, so... Uh, the UAE is well known for, uh, for example, serving as an entrepot for smuggling goods into the Islamic Republic. So, yes, uh, they can uh, do good things. They have relationships with Israel. And at the very same time, uh, they also make an enormous amount of money through commerce with the Islamic Republic. So I think yeah, that's well, 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 that, that's, as a reference point. Well, that's sort of the point is not that they wear a white hat. Uh, it's that they know what they're talking about. Well, even there, I'm not. I'm not sure they they do. I, I just don't. I think they're. they're so not we haven't there. seen in the West. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we haven't seen in the West what he's describing. We, we you, you don't think that uh, the the West has been uh, blithely ignorant to the threat that radical Islamists pose. I mean, obviously, the, there's there's complacency in the Middle East. Otherwise, October seventh wouldn't have happened. Well, no, I think. Uh, I think there has been blindness in the West on sort of a marriage between radical left politics uh, and a certain uh, Islamist sympathy. And I, I, I mean, I, for, I think on American college campuses, uh, the vast expression of anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism that we've seen, I don't know how much of that actually translates into sympathy for radical Islamists uh, in the sense that uh, I, I suspect most of the people who are demonstrating are completely ignorant uh, of the politics and the preferences of Hamas. Uh, and they frankly probably don't even care. Their primary objective is to attack Israel and in many cases to uh, damn Jews. And to attack America, to, to attack the West. But um, so what about uh, the administration policy? I mean, it's, it's sort of baffling, at least to me, um, that against the backdrop of what the administration has already done with uh, the Iranian nuclear deal, going back to Obama to present and the uh, underwriting, as I said, of the uh, oil industry in Iran, that they would release, uh, unfreeze another $10 billion just this week. Uh, is there an explanation for that? Well, I mean, I, on, I think the administration is caught on, on Iran. Uh, 
I mean, they had taken a certain approach. They wanted to revive the nuclear deal. Uh, they wanted to try to find some means to essentially bribe, buy off, delay uh, Iran's development of nuclear weapons. That approach hasn't worked, but it's more or less still on autopilot. So uh, they can't really unhook themselves. Now, when October 7th happened, it did briefly paralyze them. And that's why it appears that the funds that were transferred from South Korea uh, to Qatar, the $6 billion, which was a supposedly a ransom payment for Iranian Americans being released, uh, that appears to have been refrozen. I mean, it's unclear. No one wants to say explicitly that's the case, except a deputy secretary of treasury in private meetings with Democrats on the Hill that no one else was permitted to be at. But uh, so they, they, they understand at least the PR problems involved. I actually think they're not going back to in, in this approach. I think it's probably dead. They just haven't figured out what else to do. So they're, they're stuck in limbo land because they have a certain approach that uh, the Democrats have had since Obama, and they don't really know what else to do. And, and uh, you think that uh, Iran will escalate or initiate escalation here in the region? I think it's I think it's I think they have done so. The issue is for them is calibrating it. So uh, I don't think they can watch Hamas die. They can't uh, return to sort of, you know, Shiites watch and watch and Sunnis die. Uh, They have to uh, they have to do more to maintain the axis of resistance. So uh, I think they will continue to try to escalate. Now, they do not want to get into a duel. Uh, with uh, Israel uh, or the United States. I actually, it's interesting, given how much damage the Israelis have done uh, to the Iranians in Syria, given the assassination of Iranian scientists in Iran, uh, the Iranians have refused to escalate directly uh, against Israel. Um, The Americans, they've had, you know, they they're willing to attack because I think uh, as they've been doing in Syria because the Americans have not shown themselves willing to escalate. So I think they're going to probe all the time, and I think it's important to remember with the Islamic Republic sort of borrow that line from Game of Thrones. You know, chaos is a ladder. They they <clears throat> will exploit it. He is Roel Mark Garecht, uh, senior fellow at the Nonpartisan Foundation for Defense of Democracies and former Iranian targets officer in the CIA. Rule Mark Correct, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. And he joined us on the turnkey.pro answer line. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM560. The answer. Open mic. Open mic Friday. Call it now. Dan and John Cass, johncastnews.com, in for Amy J. It is that time of the week, Open Mic Friday, where we take your calls. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. There's no better day on the morning answer than Friday, general correct pottery, etc. Yes, comments, concerns, criticisms, general correct pottery, we will take it. it all. Love it all. 
Uh, but Open Mic Friday, we should hasten to add, is presented by Turnkey.pro, your small business partner. You can visit them online at, again, Turnkey.pro. And we're pleased to kick it off with Scott Kolsak. Thanks, Scott Kolsak. David Kolsak. Scott Kolsak is a friend of mine, which is why I always confuse him. Uh, David Kolsak. another is the one? Fun- there's another Kolsak? I want to know him because there's only like nine of us in the world. It's spelled differently, but it sounds the same. Oh, That's okay. That's the thing. Yeah. Cool. So David Kolsak, founder like of Turnkey.pro. I will give Scott your regards, your brother from another mother. Uh, all right, David, uh, what do you got for us? Well, so good morning, John and, hey. and Dan. Or um, And I got your names right, so that's good I started there. Um, I hear I hear that they approved the lights for Loyola, so there goes the neighborhood, right? Um, as so they say. You know, Loyola got there. In full disclosure, I have a kid that goes to a Loyola Academy, and they just recently voted on the lights to be passed there. They have all kinds of contingencies and all kinds of things there. Uh-huh. Uh, and all the comments that I listened to of the people – you know, at the microphone and, and the stuff I read in the paper, they were super entertaining to see how they didn't want the lights to happen. But anyway, they, they finally came together and they they got through and they threaded the needle somehow. And I guess the people that lived there forgot that they there was a high school there when they bought their houses. So anyway, I think it's kind of interesting that that happened. But what really well, Loyola needs is a parking garage, by the way. So I'm sorry, were you going to say are, something? Are you, are, you, are you passing a collection plate for the Academy? What, what's, what are you doing? Oh, not no. I'm not really. Oh, okay. I'm just kind of. Okay. I'm behind them. I'm just. I'm, oh, I'm behind them. I think yeah. they're. I, mm-hmm. I'm glad that they're getting the lights. I think they have one of the best football programs in the state. Are they in the uh, semis right now? Coach them. Yeah. Yeah. Semis. They, I think they played Lions. Did they beat yeah. Carmel? Lions this Saturday. Uh, it's a Saturday game because they don't have lights, right? So, but regardless, uh, what they really need is a parking garage. Then you'd see a really big fight up there. You know, the whole neighborhood. I think we talked about this. The whole neighborhood around Loyola who is against these lights is filled with, you know, some of them are big homes, some of them are modestly sized homes, but they all have, a lot of them have big giant driveways, some of them circular. And it's a cottage industry for them where they, you know, where they charge people thousands of dollars so that their kids can park in a driveway because there's not enough room in the parking lot. Well, so, but, the, anyway, but, the pro- but the problem is, I mean, as we documented on this show, and as probably happened, I didn't hear the results, but when you have these uh, barbarian hordes from the south side, like a St. Lawrence or a Mount Carmel, come yeah. to Wilmette, then yes. it's it's unsafe. Khakis and They've been coming boots. here for years, though. Oh, okay. They've been coming here for years, boots right? And the map of Ireland on their face, <laughs> they must have terrified the neighborhood. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, the situation of Myers Tavern. Uh, right. You know, for that uh, or Mount Stormies, Carmel game. for that matter. Stormies. Oh, Stormies. Give a plug there. Stormies is a good place sure. to go. I'm surprised sure. that... Uh, but anyway, you'd see, you, you'd see a pretty large-scale fight. I'm surprised that you and Tom Bevan didn't stand up and uh, like defend uh, the neighborhood against... Progress. Progress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it was interesting to see, and I think you'll see more things happen in the future there. But uh, not to beat a dead horse here, but I want to talk about the Xi Jinping thing for just a second. Okay. Um, I would like to suggest that he would do a world tour of every American city, like bring him to every blue city in America, everything that's poorly run. And we can see everybody get cleaned up like quickly. (laughs) And, and then the, and then the governors and the mayors can all say, look, you know, we're a sanctuary state or city, but look at us. We've done a great job because, and the reason we did it is because we love this communist leader coming to our stuff. So I'm all for a world tour of Xi Jinping. Well, the other thing that would be nice, 
the other thing that would be nice just to, just to add to that um, is that then Xi Jinping, who runs concentration camps back home, would be awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for being the impetus for American cities to clean up their acts. That'd be wonderful. It would be. I mean, the irony of it would be just, you know, absolutely. And I heard a father calling earlier on your show this morning. He was having trouble talking to his 17-year-old son. Where's the world at today? And I have to say, it's a really tough place to be because as a parent, you don't want to scare your kids, but you also don't want to lie to them. So you're, you, you're kind of stuck in the middle of this thing where, what do we say? And, and so, I, again, I feel for him because I, I too, I have a 20-year-old and a 15-year-old son, and, and it's hard to thread that needle and be a concerned dad, a loving dad, an honest dad, but also a guy that's got compassion and understands you don't want to scare the crap out of your kid for the rest of his life. Uh, so that there's doom and gloom. So it's a really, again, another needle to thread for us. But, you know, again, I, I just I wonder why we haven't reached a tipping point of, you know, where we all collectively say no more. There, You know, there's a Voltaire quote that says, you know, if you want to know who controls you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. And I think that's a really big thing that goes on. Uh, and, you know, and I think maybe the reason why people haven't stood up and gotten in the streets and protested protested more or tried to do something is that there's January 6th. Everybody who saw what happens there, if you stand up, you're going to go to prison and, and you're going to be in a gulag for four or five years and you don't have any justice. So again, they print money we don't have and they give it to other countries. They don't have any regard for common sense or the will of the people that they're supposed to represent. And they want sanctuary cities, but they really don't want sanctuary cities. And, you know, like I said before, everything is so blatant in our face where we all just sit back and say, what the hell's going on? And when is enough enough? So, and how about that Venezuelan couple that's going back to Venezuela because Chicago is so unlivable? Really? Yeah. Well, well, this is a Chicago. Chicago welcome to the party. Chicago is a sanctuary city for repeat violent offenders. Yeah. Uh, uh, David, don't call me Scott Colson. What would you give? Go, oh, sorry. What would you go give ahead. to have Rami Manuel back, right? But right no, now, nothing. Zero. <laughs> Zero. No. Just if he could wear the, the, his soft the, sweater. The good old days weren't all that good. The don't the, no, don't give me the Lori don't give me the Lori Lightfoot Rahm Emanuel. It's where it's a progression. If Rahm Emanuel were here today, it would be very similar to Brandon Johnson because the politics have changed in the last decade. All right, uh, David, don't call me Scott Colsack, founder of Turnkey.pro. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. Do you agree with me, John? I agree that I wish he, that Rahm was in his soft cashmere sweater, the little powder blue one. He made me feel like hugging him a little bit. Holding well, I get I get I the like kinder, him. gentler Ron. But on, yeah, because he's no. tiny, tiny dancer. You put him on your your lap. You hug him a little bit. But you bedtime stories. But my point is that Ron was an amoral, transactional of type of person. He's a politician, so, right? Like and so, so he's so he's a. Uh, he's captured by the events and the dynamics around him. So the the Rom, which, by the way, he was a terrible mayor, but the Rom from a decade ago would, in terms of impact, would not be dissimilar to what we have now because that's where his party has moved in the intervening time period. Oh, I wish we could go back to Richie Daly. I wish we, yeah, I wish we could right. go back to totally having, missed the point. How, how about going back to having Barack Obama as president? Oh, right. Those oh, wait, glory don't days. we have that now? Uh, all right, let's take some calls. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. I have some things, too, to interject in John if you do as Bring well. It. Please, yeah. please. Uh, let's start with, oh, uh, on the uh, secret uh, 
tin can and string line, the Amish texture. Amish. <laughs> hey, good morning, and oh, oh my friend. Yes, my friend John, I miss you, man. Yeah. But nothing real pithy this morning. I think um, you know terrorists murdering fourteen hundred uh, you know, Israelis and 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 Jewish and American friends of mine. That that kind of puts me down a little bit. Um, I just wanted to say though, hi to you guys, especially John. That's what prompted me to call. Just uh, reach out. And then uh, I did note that uh, there were certainly a lot of shemales. I'd call them. Uh, out there in San Francisco, welcoming Xi Jinping, uh, Gavin Newsom, and all the other shemales. It's kind of nice. Thanks yeah. for the call. Thanks, Thanks for the call. I love, your, I love your chicken, Amish. Your chicken's the best. Thanks. Uh, Pick one. Come on. Kip in Stillman Valley. Hey, good morning, guys. John, I got a couple questions on brining and barbecue, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. Bring it on. Bring it. All right. Well, you know what? I mean, never mind. Well, I remember listening on the radio, um, and you would talk about it. So I caught my interest years ago, and I've been experimenting. Sometimes not too good. Anyway, is there a, a, a length of time when you're brining overnight, you know, with the turkey or uh, butt roast, that, that there's it sits in the brine too long? Um, turkey, you can only have it in for about, the, at most, 24 hours. Uh, 24 hours. Because it's and a lot of salt. Roast, uh, I don't... Yeah, salt. I, I use a little sugar, crushed garlic, and use the outside of the onion. There's no, you know? there's no, there's no brining for pot roast, my friend. Please. Well, no pot roast, no. Pork butt roast. Oh, yeah, we could brine for the same, same amount of Butt roast of has been called, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, do you butter. use a little bit of sugar as well? The salt, sugar, salt, vinegar, uh, brown you sugar, catch, salt, vinegar. Yeah, you catch more butt roast with uh, sugar than vinegar. That's Dan. If Dan would ever write a column for me, thanks for the call, Kip. I would really like him to do the butt roast column. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, uh, you, you and Kip can take this over to the Food Network for more conversation. Uh, Don't forget to oil it, Dan. That's what she said. Uh, Chief uh, Sean Collins. Chief Collins. Chief. Uh, yes, sir. Yes. You're the fire chief in Wheeling? Uh, no, I'm a battalion chief, not the chief in Buffalo Grove. Battalion chief in Buffalo Grove. Okay. So, yes, sir. All right. What do you got for us, battalion chief Collins? Uh. <laughs> Good morning. I'm calling this morning not for the fire department, but beyond, on behalf of Buffalo Grove Rotary. Uh, where uh, we do a project with Wheeling Rotary, Buffalo Grove Rotary. We've been doing it for 42 years where we give out uh, holiday food boxes to um, people that are less fortunate than us within our communities. Um, And we were um, looking just to advertise the program and let people know that uh, one of the gentlemen in our our community who uh, runs a restaurant has taken donations from his patrons to provide turkeys to supplement what we do. So I guess looking for support and um, what's the restaurant appreciation for him? Oh, that would help, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah. Pete uh, is uh, the Continental Restaurant in Buffalo Grove, on Dundee and uh, Buffalo Grove Road, and uh, he's been asking his patrons as they come in. Uh, you know, we're fortunate; we've got a great community with a lot of uh, people that are uh, pretty fortunate, and so they've been providing uh, twenty dollars when they come in if they have it to uh, 
um, to support the turkeys that we're buying. So we give boxes of food. We've been doing it, like I said, 42 years. It includes all the staples. And uh, Pete had an idea that if he asked for it, that he would maybe be able to provide turkeys and all the fixings to go with it in addition to the boxes of food. So I think we're at about 1800 of our $2,200 goal right now. Well, Make sure he doesn't brine those turkeys for more than 24 hours per John Cass. You know uh, what? All right. Don't throw them out the window of the plane. So yeah, how, no, uh, we do know turkeys don't fly. How does how do so how do people uh, help with this effort in Wheeling and Buffalo Grove? Uh well, for, they can go to the Buffalo Grove Rotary website, send us a message, R- Buffalo Grove Rotary on Facebook, or they can stop in at the Continental Restaurant and um, just uh, see Pete or whomever's uh, working at the counter there and mention it. Okay. And then um, I think the gentleman uh, at Garden Fresh Foods, which is just north of them. Uh, in the same shopping center as the one who's basically provided and donated all the food for us. So I think they're a supporter as well where they can uh, offer help. All right, great. Garden Fresh and Continental and Buffalo Grove and the Buffalo Grove Rotary website or Facebook page to get involved and finish off this uh, Thanksgiving meal program. Okay, great. Chief Sean Collins, thanks so much. Appreciate it. lovely Sicilian is from Buffalo Grove, so I married her 37 years ago. Love you, Betty. Oh, there you go. So we'll support Buffalo Grove. Very good. All right. Very nice. Uh, Adrian in Riverdale. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. I want to read something to you. Yeah. If someone had told me as a boy, one day you will see your nation vanish from the world, I would have considered it nonsense. Something I could not possibly imagine. A man knows he is mortal, but he takes it for granted that his nation possesses the kind of eternal light. All right. Thanks for the call, Adrian. Deep thoughts with Adrian from Riverdale. Thanks, Could be another segment. Uh, Eduardo, Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, good morning. Uh, so I think this... Uh, these college protests and what's happening with uh, Jennifer Wall, she was a Democratic leader in Detroit. They never revealed the suspect that they released. And also these robberies that are happening as far as Amazon and FedEx, I think that's going to have a lot of people going uh, Republican next year. You mean like the, the, the like that FedEx truck in Memphis that got uh, descended upon? Uh, is that that's right? The, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't. I mean, the the domestic crime issue uh, in metropolitan areas. I, I as long as that persists, then it will persist as an issue, and it's certainly not going to retreat with the prosecutors and the policies in charge. Actually, some interesting developments that week too. To Eduardo's this week, to Eduardo's point, last two weeks really. One is the defund the police, city council members in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Three of them got removed. Uh, also, in Allegheny County, Pennsylvania, a Soros-funded prosecutor was beaten after Republicans recruited a Democrat because they didn't have a candidate of their own. That's a good lost, story. Yeah. Who lost in the primary to run as a Republican. And there was one that went down for plagiarism, uh, not plagiarism, for uh, lying before to a grand jury, no? In uh, Maryland or Baltimore or something? W- well, there was... Th- well, that's you're talking about uh, Marilyn Mosby yeah, what in Baltimore. Yeah. Well, the, no, the, the 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 one I was thinking of the in the last two weeks in Virginia, uh, underreported because of the rest of the election results. But 
the the uh, Soros funded prosecutor in Loudoun County, the epicenter of the parental revolt uh, that put Glenn Youngkin in office. Mm-hmm. She was part of, you know, the that uh, Marxist school establishment that covered up the sexual violence in the in Loudoun County schools. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She got she got tossed out, too. So, you know, there's maybe some uh, early indicators that. uh that there are some bad actors at the local level that will be held accountable for the bad acts. And to the extent there's a nexus between them and local politicians at the state or federal level, then, yeah, you could see that be a a, a, a difference maker in some districts for sure. Um, and in the western suburbs. Um, okay. Well, about this idea of or the, con- the conflict over whether people should be allowed to die or die or not die or or whatever, I can remember um, some time ago on this program, um, a woman called with a very um, moving tale about it, which was true, I'm sure, of what she went through. When I, it must have been her mother and father. It was so terrible what she went through. And she said if, she was very bitter because she wasn't legally allowed to kill that person. And Mr. Prof said, be careful what power you give to the state to do that. Mm-hmm. That would be up to the family. And then a similar case in some ways came up yesterday about a little girl who, of course, everybody knows, I guess by now, was not allowed to live in, in Britain because uh, they didn't want her to live, and although the Italian government was 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 eager to help her with experimental work or whatever would need to be done. And what I would say is that, um, and there again, Mr. Mr. Prof said that would be, the state should not have the power. Be careful of what power you give to the state because this is going to happen. It's the power that belongs to the parents. And I would just say that as far as... Um, Terminating a life, a first-degree murder, in other words, that's never right. That's never. That's always wrong. It's always a mortal sin. It, but it, but but at the end of life, like with that elderly lady or who is dying, um, it would be. It's almost humanly impossible. It is humanly impossible. Just a normal strength to sustain that. That's why it's very important to pray ahead of time for the strength. And I'm just thinking, at the end, so many, so many people say this prayer, but maybe not think of all its implications. The last part of the Hail Mary: Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So that's it. Food and water always, but uh, no direct first-degree murder. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Ann. Uh, I was talking about baby Indy in uh, Britain, we talked about yesterday. Yes. Six years after Charlie Gard. I wrote about him. Barbaric. It's barbaric stuff. And and, and the point, too, is obviously the situation is a lot different for an adult, and particularly an adult who has made plans for their uh, end uh, and parents, and particularly when parents of a minor child uh, want to do everything they can to save their mi- minor child, you know, regardless of how remote the possibility, and the state intervenes to prevent that. I mean, a- again, I mean, just think about this in the context of your kid or anyone you cared about, their kids. I want to take my child back to go somewhere else to try a a procedure that doctors here won't try. And the state intervenes to stop you, saying the child is ours, not yours. It's our decision, not your decision. That's going on here all the time. It's indefensible, morally. They'll take your child child and say, we'll castrate this boy. And you say no. And they say, then we'll, we'll take your child away from you well that's california yes that's not everywhere not, not yet everywhere, but it's happening in the united states yes or it's offered uh glenn oakbrook 
Yeah, good morning. The uh, sunsetting of the Invest in Kids program means that poverty will go up in Illinois, and Illinois, you just can't live here if you're raising kids. And if you want to see a state that has a good example of handling education, it's Iowa. But uh, this, uh, yeah, especially under the school choice expansion under Governor Reynolds. Yes, right. Yep. Yeah. So I I just think this uh, this what's going on in this state is just horrible, and it's uh, depressing to watch this happen. But that's the leaders they vote for. So thanks, Glenn. Well, also too, by the way, um, the five years of the K through twelve. Uh, invest in kids opportunity scholarships the amount of money that was voluntarily donated so the amount of scholarships that were distributed with you know the tax credits uh, we're close to that number with respect to the state and city spend so far particularly with 160 million that jelly belly announced yesterday we're close to spending more in the last 12 months to provide housing and wraparound services and the like, rental assistance to people in this country illegally than we did over five years providing scholarship money voluntarily through private donations to kids to go to better schools in in Chicagoland and in Illinois, which is why there were 9,500 scholarship recipients and a waiting list of almost 30,000. How, how about that comparison? But How about that dichotomy? Their success humiliated the Chicago Teachers Union, and so they had to go. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Uh, John in Janesville. Hi. Uh, I want to talk about uh, Senator Mark Wayne Bowen. And I, I, he, he's the one guy who got in the fight in the Senate. And I want to just say he learned, needs to learn to fight like a United States Republican senator. And instead of accepting the challenge to fight for Mr. O'Brien— he needed to compromise, let O'Brien punch him in the kidneys like four or five times, and then <laughs> declare victory because he didn't get punched in the face. Thank you. Yeah, okay, a little sarcasm. There. I think the last thing you want to see is politicians are politicians fighting because they fight like uh, baseball players fight. Their chins go up in the air and away from the, the fists. Well, it's really, it's really sad to see. I think uh, Mark Wayne may be an exception to that rule. Well, he might he might know know what he's doing, but that other guy. Well, sh- no, Sean O'Brien, no, no. Without which, which is why it would have been fun. And and again, just to make sure we have the record correct, it was Mark Wayne that issued the challenge, and Sean O'Brien that wet himself. Wait, because uh, Sean O'Brien was uh, talking big, as we yeah, said. yeah. So yeah, don't yeah. talk big. Mark Wayne Mullen, uh, or just Mark Wayne, he's our—he's my generation's John Wayne, as I said yesterday. So he—he um, he was an MMA fighter, a real and, one. Yeah, yeah. He, I think he had five professional fights. I think he was five and zero. Oh, and then he said, "There's probably a better way to make a living," which is smart, because um, you have to have—I mean, you have to have at least one screw loose to want to fight MMA. And so, you know, that's not somebody I'd want to pick a fight. Did with. you talk to my brother Nick on your podcast about the? 50 black belts that he put down? You know, I didn't, actually. I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, have him run down the, you know, at least some of the 200 ways he knows how to kill a guy. But we di- we actually didn't get to it. I, also, I, the, the I punching, punching of the beef in my dad's cooler. When Nicky would break the ribs of the beef, like Rocky in the cooler. Oh, yeah. 
He was doing that before Rocky was, or was he imitating Rocky? I think he when it came out in the late Mm -hmm. Mm seventies. So he was hitting the beef too. My father was upset, like, "Don't hit the, don't stop breaking the beef, stop burning the beef. The people (laughs) like the beef." Oh, yeah. Speaking of beef, um, (laughs) it's good that uh, that 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 this is not uh, the era where you had the the uh, grocery store and you were. Your dad was selling beef to make ends meet, pun intended. Uh huh. Because here's where we are today. You ready? Yes. <laughs> I had to get this. I in. have to sit down. Go on. Please meet World Economic Forum. That's Klaus Schwab's group. Uh huh. Evil genius. Yeah. World Economic Forum agenda coordinator, a bioethicist named Matthew Liao. Um, he has a way, you know, because eating beef is not good for the climate. So they say there's there's Bill a way. Bill Gates doesn't want us to eat beef. Yeah. Well, right, and he doesn't want us to um, to experience photosynthesis either. But anyway, um, this is what Liao has in mind, and by extension, World Economic Forum is to turn you off of beef. So I'll give two examples. So one is that uh, people eat too much meat, right? And if they were to cut down on their consumption of meat then they would, uh, it would actually really help the planet. Uh, but people are not willing to give up meat. Yeah, you know, some people will be willing to, but other people, they may be willing to, but they sort of they have a weakness of will. They say, wow, this, this steak is just too juicy. I can't do it. I, I'm one of those, by the way. So, you know, but so here's the thought, right? So it turns out that we know a lot about, so there, we have these, intolerance to, uh, so I, for example, I have milk intolerance. I'm, uh, and there, some people are intolerant to crayfish. So possibly we can use hu- human engineering to make it the case that we're intolerant to certain kinds of meat, to certain kinds of bovine, uh, bovine proteins. And there's actually analogs of this in life. There's this thing called the long star tick, where if it bites you, you will become allergic to meat. Uh, I can sort of describe the mechanism. So that's something that we can do through human engineering. We can kind of uh, ad- possibly address really big world problems through human engineering. Another, We can re-engineer the Cass family with the mm-hmm. Lone Star Tick to not like meat, John. You could yeah, go bite yourself, yeah, dude. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you want to get rid when you want to take people, human beings, and turn them into soy boys, you, all you got to do is take the beef slit steak out of their menu, lamb out of the menu, give them protein of some other kind like tofu and rice and see how long it takes, maybe a generation, and then you can control them all. Uh, Come on, sing along with Klaus. Every meal you make, every bite you take, every single lunch with a crispy you will eat the bugs. You will eat the bugs. Do you see this on the screen? This is the answer to that. Uh, Craig in Old Town, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Hey, Dan. Hey, John. Hey. You know, it's utterly amazing, even the subtle little things that Pritzker gets away with in this town. Like yesterday, he compared the migrant crisis to his family fleeing the Ukrainian pogroms in 1881. <laughs> really, J.D.? I didn't know there were pogroms happening in Venezuela under Maduro right now. This is news. Somebody should tell the CTU. Or are we now saying the Mexican drug cartels are committing a pogrom? I mean, I'm actually open to that idea, but maybe we should do something to address it. Anyway, back to the cost of the migrant shelter business, which, you know, as expected, are spiraling out of control. I'm working on a piece right now for the relaunch of my site next week, and the numbers just for the basics are pretty staggering. 
state of Illinois has already spent about $500 million caring for just 22,000 migrants, and it's currently costing us about $40 million a month. So Pritzker promises an additional $160 million yesterday. Tony Preckwinkle is planning on tossing in another $100 million from Cook County. And Mayor doesn't do his homework, and the city of Chicago is still waiting on proposals not due until next Wednesday to figure out his cost for 2024. But just looking at the RFPs that have been floating around for the last six weeks or so, by my calculations, it's going to cost anywhere from about $105 million to $165 million just to feed them for the next year. Just food. Three meals per day of culturally appropriate food. And yes, the words culturally appropriate meals are actually in the request for proposals. So I want to see the menu. <laughs> actually, it's 13 to $17. That's what they, their anticipated cost. What do they, go, what are they have? Like strip Culturally steak? appropriate food. That's what, the, uh, that's what the actual words say. Oxtails? Culturally yeah. appropriate food. Short Per ribs. migrant. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, Craig in Old Town, thank you as always. Uh, Craig, uh, it's, it's been a while since we've heard from you, thank but you. I always love he's got he's he's composed something, so he is very tight and very pointed and fact intensive. Always uh, good reviews. I I need to impress you. I can't I can't wait till sure. the site's back up. I mean that's a good source. By the way, if he's right that it's uh, already, if you're right that's a, it's already at half a billion dollars, then that would exceed the amount of money that was raised privately to provide scholarships to kids to go to better schools. Uh, well, yeah, because we're not talking, we haven't even talked about the healthcare staffing that is bordering on a scam. I mean, uh, that, you know, we're going through there. We're not talking about transportation costs. We're not talking about security. We're not talking about any of that. I mean, that's yeah. just, those, those numbers are just for food that I, that I was quoting and I can even break down the numbers further for you, but we can save that for a different time. I know you got a lot to get to. Thanks, Craig. Appreciate it. Good call. Uh, Nick, Northwest Side. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hello, yeah, good morning, both you and everybody. Um, these migrants, I'll use that word, uh, they're going to be to Trump and probably cause them to lose the election the way the coronavirus caused them to lose the election. There'll be uh, These are a lot of young men. I see them around in different areas, tattoos on their necks. But anyhow, they're going to be given IDs, which would be driver's licenses, to try to show that they're being kept track of. When you're uh, getting a driver's license, in most uh, states, you're automatically registered to vote. Therefore, ballots will be mailed out. Whether they're allowed to vote or not doesn't matter. Those ballots are legitimate, and they'll be gathered up, and Trump won't make it. Uh, a lot of people just got to get out and vote, and uh, that's all, the only way to deal with it. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Nick. I want to know what the tear, the little tear, what does that mean on the on the face, the tear on the face. The tear tattoo? Yeah, what does that mean? Doesn't that mean you killed somebody? I don't know. That's what I, I mean, I I, I thought in gangland uh, iconogra- uh, iconography, that's what it meant. Yeah, but... well, I thought they could ask, ask the people in uh, Virginia who voted for the Democratic legislator, legislature. Mike and Hammond. Uh, thanks for taking my call, guys. Anybody? Yeah, after hearing uh, the translator for Xi Jinping, it gave me a brilliant idea. I, I think we can use that same translator for Biden when he gets halfway through a public speaking and loses his way uh, for him and Cream Pub Jim from the Sean Thompson Show. It'd be nice to hear it. Thanks for the call, Mike. Uh, Kevin, Austin, Texas. I love it when I can listen to his show and I get a reference to WKRP and Rocky in the same uh, in the same song. There you go. So, John, it's, it's good hearing you. Uh, and, and, and to that fact, it's a cultural reference. 
And the thing is, anybody under 25 gets their news from TikTok. And TikTok, sound, to me, it's, it's, it's named appropriate because it's just a, a mental time bomb in anybody who's under 25 years old. And the thing is, the, the Republicans or the geoconservatives more have to counter that. And it's not just a matter of getting upset about it. It's not, I, I don't think conservatives should go out and protest because they're working. But they should get out and get involved to get ready for the next election. Thanks for the call, Kevin. Mary in Michigan City, Indiana. Mary. Hey, neighbor. Hi. Hi. <laughs> yes, right, from uh, Union Avenue. Do you know what, uh, were you living down on Peoria when Joe Burke was our, was our alderman? Yeah, I just wrote about it at John Cass News a few days ago. Joe Burke was the alderman selected by Judge McDermott. Right. And, but anyway, uh, I went to, to Alter School with uh, Eddie Burke. But anyway, make this story short, if I can. Yeah. Uh, he had all the trees taken down on our block on 53rd and Union. Why? And they didn't take down the two trees in front of our house. So my mom kept calling Joe's or the, the, the ward office Joe, where are my trees? Where are my trees? She was constantly calling them. So any day, the doorbell rings. <laughs> my mom goes down. We were on the second floor. She goes down, and there's a man at the door, and he's got a suit on. He said, we're here to put in the trees. And she's looking. There's no truck. Anyway, they go out. There's a Cadillac there with two young trees hanging out the back of the car. Three men got out, and they all had shovels. They dug the holes, and they planted the trees. Thanks for the call, Mary. They had probably just gotten done digging some other holes. Uh, Chuck and Delavan to close it out. Quickly, Chuck. Uh, hey, as far as the Chinese guy, my grandpa said that uh, anybody uh, that eats a dog, uh, don't trust them. Hey, today's a big day. Lake Geneva Badgers, the, the football team's going to state finals. Uh, they had their last supper last night with 70 slabs of ribs donated by the Mars. Uh, you guys get a chance to get over to Champs or get over to uh, Magpies and watch the game. And uh, as far as the gang tears, they're they're crying for somebody that was in their gang that was killed. Thanks for the call, Chuck. Uh, Open Mic Friday presented by Turnkey.pro, your small business partner, Turnkey.pro. This is the morning show. More Chicago radio listeners are choosing. This is Chicago's morning answer on AM560, The Answer. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.